And good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. No Drew this week, which is just a real shame. Coming up on the program, we're going to catch up with our buddy Joe Sheehan, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. He was uh, in tune with the Orioles the other night, watching when they took on the Red Sox in Game 1. That went better than last night. We'll talk to him about that, where the Orioles are. All those things, our buddy Joe Sheehan joins us. Also coming up this morning, we're going to talk some NFL drafts, some Ravens, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. We'll get his final thoughts ahead of the NFL draft. And our friend Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, believe in Ravens. We'll check in with him, think, see what he thinks the Ravens need to do during the course of the draft, which gets underway tomorrow. And also this morning, John Lamoth, or it's, sorry, John Lamoth. So I'll peel the curtain back. We actually had to record with him earlier, and I found out that I have been mispronouncing it this entire time, which is weird because I could have sworn we had him on once before, yeah. and he told us it was Lamoth, but not relevant. He tells us now it's Lamoth. So it'll be my goal moving forward to get it right, although it's going to take some getting used to because I've been saying Lamoth for a long time. John Lamoth is going to join us, St. Francis. Uh, basketball star, and uh, he's playing in the Capital Classic this weekend down in D.C. We will talk to him about that and as you know, how things have changed for him as he had another big season. Started to rise a little bit more during the course of the year ahead of arriving at the University of Maryland. So that's all on the way, <laughs> Ryan. My guy Ryan Frazier is like itching. He said, dude, I haven't... <laughs> I haven't gotten any bad uh, Would You Rather Wednesday answers yet. <laughs> we got to feed our guy, Rye. We got to feed him on a Wednesday. Get your awful Would You Rather Wednesday answers in today as the scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. But we begin with the Lamar meter brought Lamar. to you by Glory Days Grill. Last night, Lamar Jackson takes to social media. Whips everyone into a frenzy with a SpongeBob SquarePants meme. And yes, that's where we are here in 2023, as I recognize more and more every day that this just might not be for me any longer. <laughs> might be time for me to get a nice desk job. Might be time for me to just move on with my life because I have no idea what to make of a SpongeBob SquarePants as as soon as he posted or tweeted that, my my friend texted me. He's like he's like Lamar deal soon. I, I mean, this is that's all I, I was getting people. Dude, what does this do for Lamar meter? <laughs> I have no idea. None. Zero. I don't know what it means. I don't know why you use this meme. I don't even know how to decipher the meme. GIF is it? A G, is a GIF? I say GIF. I'm pretty well, sure it's not. Sure it's, GIF. It's, it's a GIF. But it's definitely GIF. It's G not. GIF, GIF is peanut butter. So I understand that. <laughs> But we found out from the guy that made the, the name well, that it was wrong, GIF. So. I don't like it, but it's what it is because I was a GIF guy too. But it's a GIF, whatever you want to call it. I, I can't say it's, GIF. Let me try to do some play-by-play -play because, again, that's where we are. It begins with sort of a bewildered face and then moves into a very wry smile. Starts bewildered and then his entire facial features rise up. To the top of his, whatever you, I guess, whatever you want to call so obviously, the head, I don't know, whatever that is. So he starts bewildered, hmm, and then all of a sudden, 
I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I can replicate, say, the SpongeBob. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a cheesing smirk. It's, it's extraordinarily cheesy, but it's also moves all the way up his yeah. face, if you will, and his mouth suddenly goes from where his mouth usually is to up near his, the above top his of his eyes. head. <laughs> yes, up above his eyes. And that's it. <laughs> So it obviously End of means GIF. it obviously means he's resigning. No idea. <laughs> now this got particular interest because the uh, follow-up from Josina Anderson involved a series of I I want to retire. I just want to I want to quit before Lamar. I wanted today to be the day. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. There there was a response from Josina Anderson of CBS Sports who again I believe. I believe has some, you know, she's done some more thorough Lamar Jackson reporting, so I believe she has some sort of in within Lamar Jackson's camp. A series of emojis. First emoji, a telephone. Second emoji, a pencil on a piece of paper. Third emoji, a trophy. What does that mean? It's, it's obviously it's a timeline. Phone paper trophy. Oh, oh, Siri's trying to talk to me about it now. <laughs> Not concerned about what you think, Siri. How do I get that to go away? How do I never have Siri involved? Probably. In Siri says, "I'm not sure I understand." Yes, I would like to get rid of you. Go away. Be nice. You got to be nice to AI. They're gonna take over. Uh, they're, uh, oh, they're, they're definitely gonna take over. So, so yes, you could say that. What Josina Anderson is saying is call the Ravens, get the contract signed, win a championship. Maybe. Sounds good. Why she would tweet that in response to his SpongeBob mean, I don't don't know. Did she mean call me to tell me that you're signing with the Ravens and then you're going to win a championship? Maybe. Does it mean for a long-term contract or just to get something done for this year? I don't know. Do they give out championship trophies for being good at phone calls or signing things on a piece of paper, perhaps? I don't know. I hate this. I am so... I want to go back to... 19-year-old Glenn Clark, who was like, I think I want to dip my toes in these waters. I think this is the career path for me. And say, don't bother with journalism class. Start learning emojis. And 19-year-old Glenn Clark would say, what's that? And then I would say, I still don't know. And they've been around for 15 years or whatever it's been. I don't know at this point. The hell am I supposed to do with any of that? Imagine, imagine trying to present that. Imagine going back to John Stedman and saying, John, please write a column about this series of GIFs and emojis. What does it mean? Who the F knows? It could have nothing to do with anything related to the contract. It could be that Lamar Jackson is just a big SpongeBob fan or... It could be about something he learned about the pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins, or it could be about something that he learned about his soul food restaurant or his pizza place. Yeah, he or just had a bite of his his uh, you know his, his short ribs or whatever. Yeah, or the entire gym. It could very well be that like uh, OKF got some good news yesterday, and 
when everybody was trashing the entire gym, bewildered face, as it turns out, it's skyrocketing, and that's why we're smiling. Who knows? And yet here I am, an idiot with a lowly rated internet talk show, mildly rated, whatever you want to call it, mildly rated, and a meter that gets a, a fair amount of attention on the internet. And I'm supposed to do something with this. The hell do I do? And I'm getting messages from people. How's this going to affect the Lamar meter today? I don't know. What am I supposed to do with that? I think it meets highest re- reading in a lamometer history. I mean, <sighs> I have no idea. So I then, so then, should nothing change, or does it mean? Does it mean anything? It means something, right? That Lamar is happy. Lamar is happy, which I guess is more than we can say. At least we got to presume he's happy. Which is more than we can say for it th- about something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was watching a television program last night and he enjoyed the direction of the program. He was watching the Suns. Maybe he was yes, maybe he was watching the Phoenix Suns who were trying to piss away. God, they stink. They're gonna lose the Nuggets. I hate my life. <sighs> and the Nuggets will lose to the Lakers and What a nightmarish scenario. Just what a nightmare scenario. This mid-L.A. Lakers team ends up going to the finals. Probably wins. They got D'Angelo Russell and... What does that mean? Austin what does that have to do with anything? They're not mid. They're a good team. They're No, they're mid. They were. I don't know if you heard. They were the seventh seed in the NBA's well, Western Conference taking care of the two seed pretty, uh, pretty well so far. I, I, okay. That doesn't change anything about their reality. And they got LeBron James. I heard, I've heard that. I hate everything. What do you want me to do here? Skyrockets. 95. Oh, we go up a percentage. So it ties the highest rating. Because maybe this is something. And that's all. Like, you have to I incorporate the GIF somehow. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll quote tweet it, I guess. M- maybe, maybe this is something. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. And neither does anyone else. But maybe it's something. So there you go. 95%. Somebody sent me this guy. I, I don't know who this guy is. Jack Settleman. I know he's someone who is paying for his Twitter account, so I probably shouldn't. He's the CEO and founder of Snapback Sports, and he l- works for Underdog Fantasy Football. So there's that. He tweeted out last night, there's an expectation amongst Ravens players that Lamar Jackson intends to sign a long-term deal with Baltimore. The Ravens trade for Odell Beckham made Lamar happy. One player said, Lamar is signing the long-term deal. It's just a matter of time. Now, let's be fair about a couple of things there. One, Jack Settleman is not a reporter. He's uh, does something with underdog fantasy. And I, the people that know him tell me he's a good guy. And he's a, a business type, and that's God bless him. I don't know him. I, I can't. I'm not going to make anything up about him. I don't know him, but he's not a reporter. Could he have a relationship with one or more Ravens players? I, quite possibly, he does. I don't know who does and who doesn't. It's quite possible he does. But with all due respect, that doesn't mean anything. Like with all the opinion of 
some Ravens player is that at some point Lamar's going to sign a long-term deal. Okay, cool. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, I, like, I, with all, I, and I mean that. Like, if I brought on, I'm trying to think of who's a – Jalen Armour Davis called into the show today and was like, hey, man, you think uh, Lamar's going to stick around? Yeah, I think he's going to get that deal done. That's not a report. That's an opinion. It would blow up, though, probably. It's like when – I'm sure it would. It's like when, when Griffin the other day was trying to pre- present something as fact that wasn't – well, it's most likely. You have no idea. You're just saying something. And I get it. This is the America that Elon Musk wants. This is where nothing ma- means anything and nothing matters and the you know, the opinion of some dude on a toilet in Iowa means as much as the most plugged in, most informed human on the planet. Like I get it. That's that's what those of you that love that guy, that's what he wants and so we're we're getting there. And this isn't again a shot at Jack Settleman, who might be the nicest human being of all time, might be very successful. But this isn't a report. This is an opinion. This is a... There's no inside information there. Like, hey, I I talked to someone, and they say that the, the steps are being taken to get the deal done or something like that. So I, I don't even include that in my thought process when it comes to the meter. I don't know. I think the meter might have jumped the shark at some point. We're, we're breaking down think, emojis. We're breaking it's, down emojis. It's... We're breaking down... By the way, Josina Anderson is a reporter, and I'm breaking down her emojis. Very scientifically based. I mean... God, I hate everything. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done. Meter says we're close. Today really was the day. I feel like today is the day that I'm going to look back and say, nope, this broke me. It broke me to sit here and try to decipher a GIF, a SpongeBob SquarePants GIF, to figure out what it meant for the future of the quarterback in Baltimore... And I, there's got to be something better I can do with my life. There's got to be. I don't think there is. It's time for me to go door to door and sell shower curtain rings. It's time for that. You go NFL team to NFL team and sell the entire gym. Does the Baltimore? Yeah, I, I, you know what? Maybe I'll join the staff of the entire gym. Maybe it is time for that. I'm not sure. It is. It can't be that. It just can't be that. That pained me a great deal today. But the Lamar Meter is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. <sighs> Orioles lose last night, 8-6. Um, we'll talk about this with Joe Sheehan here in a few minutes. I, I feel like the first two games of the series have given us the answer that we were looking for over the weekend, which is how much do we buy into what this team's pitching did for a week versus what they had done for the first two weeks. And it tells us that last week was more about the opponents than it was about the pitching. Which isn't to say, again, that I think the Cal Bradish can't figure it out. It's to say that I still think the answer is the Orioles pitching, at least the starting pitching, is as much a problem as it is a solution. There's... There's a limit to what can be expected from this group of starting pitchers. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that Tyler Wells is just going to go get rocked and he's going to give up seven runs tonight. Or this afternoon is when they played the series finale against the Red Sox. Getaway day before they head to Detroit. But I think more frequently than not, when they face quality teams this season, 
they're going to be in trouble because of their lack of starting pitching. I, and I say lack of high-level starting pitching. Last night, they, of course, put together this sort of fun rally in the ninth inning, and I saw a tweet. Our buddy uh, Paul Valley from the Bat Around said that, like, they actually thought the worst thing that could happen in that moment was Cedric Mullins hitting a grand slam because that that kind of ends the rally, and you're two runs short. Two runs short. In a perfect world, you get two more base hits, and then somebody hits a grand slam. And I get it. I understand. Like, there's something about the energy of runners on base and things constantly moving that keeps the ballpark going and then when the base is clear it's sort of like well we still have a lot more work to do it was fun so if the wind's blowing in from right maybe that maybe the, we win that game because the ball back goes yeah. off the wall yeah. and then it keeps the rally going maybe who knows um it was fun it was a fun ninth inning if you stayed tuned in yeah. you greatly enjoyed the the life the orioles had in the ninth inning but you didn't enjoy much of anything to start the game and you know giving up a grand slam that's not so great Again, not worth overreacting to, not worth there's there's no big takeaway. There's no well Cobb Radish is done. That's gonna be DL Hall spot. And there it's and by the way, Mike Bauman pitched really well again out of the bullpen, which further complicates these decisions that the Orioles are going to have to make when it comes time for them to bring Dylan Tate and Michael Givens back to the roster. One of the things that could change, again, because Bauman still has an option, is that the Orioles if Bauman had struggled, if he had gotten beat up last night, then it would be easier for them to be able to say, okay, he's the guy to go. Instead, he continues to pitch to a sub-1 ERA. So, what do you do? Again, the decision doesn't have to be made tomorrow. Although, you know, it's coming. Like, it's, you presume within the next week, at least one decision is going to have to be made by the Orioles and a second one to follow. So it it's something to continue to monitor, and Bauman is not helping them if he's the guy that they think is the odd man out. He's making it more difficult as he went two and two-thirds last night, putting one guy on base, striking out two in an outstanding relief effort. Austin Voth wasn't bad, only gave up one run over three innings. But Austin Voth for the totality of the season has been kind of meh. So I don't know how that if impacts the decision when it comes to you would have to DFA Austin Voth and expose him for another team to go grab him. They'll wrap up the series, as I mentioned this afternoon. Tyler Wells will be on the mound for the Birds in the finale. And important to continue winning series. Important you know, win streak ends, and that's a bummer, but believe it or not, I don't think they were going to win every game the rest of the season. I mean, not with that attitude anyway, I guess. I don't think that was going to happen. Losing a game isn't the end of the world, but it is important that you continue to win series, continue to compete in these games against a team like the Red Sox, who we don't think are going to ultimately be the team that wins the division. You need to stockpile as many wins as you can in these circumstances. So hopefully you bounce back and hopefully you win this game today and hopefully we see a little bit better from Tyler Wells than we've seen the last two days. But the big takeaway for me is the starting pitching is not the the thing that we saw a week ago. It's still more likely to be a problem when facing quality 
lineups this season. And in division games in particular, you're going to face basically nothing but quality lineups. Hour number one of today's program is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels Heating, A.C., Plumbing, and Home Performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at ajmichaels.com. We are going to talk some more Orioles this morning, I believe. I think that's what we're going to do. I'm not sure. All right, yes, we are. We're going to talk some more Orioles this morning. As um, It's been a long time since we caught up with our friend Joe Sheehan, of course, the Joe Sheehan baseball newsletter. I happened to notice the other night that he was glued into the Orioles game for night one of this series against the Red Sox and said, man, it's been too long. Let's catch up with Joe. Joe Sheehan, good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, Joe, you there? Okay, I'm here. Okay, what's yeah, up? Here. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, Glenn. Uh, just, uh, you know, we haven't talked in a while, man. It's, uh, it's good. We used to talk a lot when the Orioles weren't interesting, and now they're a lot Yeah, better. right? And, and drastically more interesting. I, here's the thing, right? So, Joe, over the weekend, I was doing uh, one of my other shows over on 105.7, and I had this moment where I said, I, I'm not sure what to make of the Orioles having a strong week of starting pitching uh, last week against the Nationals and Tigers, and... Do I just completely dismiss it and say, no, it's still more likely that they're probably the team that we saw for the first two weeks of the season that struggled with their starting pitching? Am I getting my answer based on how the last two nights have gone that, like, no, this is the reality. They've got some, and against bad teams, they'll probably be able to pitch well, but against good lineups more often than not, they just don't have the horses this year in order to be able to overwhelm with their starting pitching. Yeah, there's a lack of stuff in that rotation right now. I mean, we know what Grayson Rodriguez is going to be. Kyle Braddish just had his, uh, his, his ups and downs. Obviously, last night was a pretty tough start for him. But by and large, this is a, a staff that just doesn't have the velocity, the spin that we expect from a modern rotation. Uh, is it better than the, the ones that were running out you know, uh, you know, a couple years back during the bad years? Yes. And you're fronted by this guy who could be a number one starter. But by and large, when you get to the Gibson, the Wells, the, the D. Kramers of the world, that, that's not a competitive rotation. Um, so is it one that they, when we say competitive, is it one that they can get enough from combined with what's been an outstanding bullpen of late? Um, is, it an, is it one they can get enough from to stay in contention and give them a chance to acquire a pitcher in July? Or... Is it one that's going to be pro- so problematic that the bottom is going to fall out even before you get to that point? Well, it's funny. You talk about going to the whipping whipsawed, right? Okay, they look good against the Nationals and Tigers. They got knocked around in this series against the Red Sox. Well, you know, I think that's what we're talking about yeah. here, where you don't want to focus on the recent results. You want to say, okay, what do we think that they were a month ago? What are the skill sets of everybody? Rather than, you know, kind of react. And I look at this rotation, this is the reason I had this team finishing last in the uh, AL East this year. That's the biggest part of it. They, you really look at the missed opportunity this winter. I mean, they went out and signed Kyle Gibson, and yay, Kyle Gibson. But after the strength that they showed last year, yeah. not capitalize on that by spending money on starting pitching, well, we're seeing the effects of that now. Okay, is there a world in which Grayson Rodriguez can elevate his pitching to being a top-of-the-rotation pitcher before this season is over, or is that asking for too much too quickly? It's a 
certainly can happen. Uh, I mean, obviously, all the raw tools are there. The command's going to be – for him to snap and all of a sudden have number one starter command, I would be a little surprised by that. Yeah. But it certainly was in the realm of possibility. Uh, I think the other issue with him is going to be innings. How many innings are you going to pile on him when he's never been that guy coming through the system? I mean, can you push him to 140, 150 innings? Um, sure, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot more than that. So that's eventually going to be a concern is managing his workload. He is Joe Sheehan, the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. He's with us here on GCR. Joe, every Orioles fan is hoping that they can be the team that's in the market for Corbin Burns. I begin with, hey, the Orioles have not done anything like that, so I'm just going to work under the assumption that it's not going to happen until I see it do. But I want to talk about the reality of that, right? Like, I want to talk about the reality of, is Corbin Burns really going to be a pitcher that's available right now? Does it make sense for a team like the Orioles, even if ownership says, yes, let's tr- consider that, given the fact that you're kind of having to make your World Series window this year or next year, or you have to spend real money to try to keep them around, then I absolutely am not at a place where I believe the Orioles are going to do that yet. Well, that's the thing. E- even the upsides of the Orioles uh, is about where they were last year. It was it 83 and 79? Uh, you know, could, I, could I come up with a scenario where they get to 85, 86 wins? Yeah. That makes them the fourth best team in the uh, AL East. The division's just too tough. You might have the best two teams and arguably another top five team in the Yankees in that division. So really, if you're the Orioles, you're playing for the sixth seed, maybe the five seed. How much do you really want to invest in that? Now, the argument for Burns is you actually have him for another year. So it's not a one-year play. And I, I like that for the Orioles in terms of, I think, next year's team something pretty close to as good as it's going to get for these guys. I mean, got holiday coming in maybe two years down the road, but I don't think you want to invest all that much. And the other thing I would say is, you know, this farm system has produced a lot of players in recent years. So it's thinned out a bit. Now you still have holiday got a clutch of infielders. Um, but I look at the teams that will be battling for Corbin Burns or maybe you know, Rodriguez, Edward, Edward Rodriguez is more of a rental. Right. I'm not sure the Orioles, can match those packages without completely denuding the farm system. So if I'm Elias looking at this team right now, I think I'd rather hold my fire for 24 and 25 in terms of cashing out some of these prospects. Also figuring out, you know, who are we going forward with when it comes to Westberg and Ortiz and guys like that, Connor Norby, they have, they have to figure out who are the trade targets and who are the guys who are going to be part of the team. Somewhere, uh, Joe, there's so many places here that I want to go next, right? Like Because what you just brought up is the, one of the issues we've been talking about is this glut of infield prospects. And I agree, this is a good problem to have because once upon a time you and I would be talking and I would be trying to squint and pretend like someone in the Orioles system was a prospect. That's no longer the case anymore. You bring up Westberg and obviously Norby and Joey Ortiz, and then there's still Jackson Holiday behind them. But to me, this conversation actually begins with the guy who's playing shortstop right now for the Orioles – because can can we accept that Jorge Mateo is this guy that we have seen to begin the season and is now you know seeing pitches and can really get on base and be a hitter? Because if that's the case, I, I'm not sure why you're in a rush to move away from Jorge Mateo at this point. Well, again, are you committing to this year, in which case you want to play the player who's playing the best right now, or are you still thinking in the terms of the long term, which for me means getting Gunnar Henderson a thousand uh, reps, a thousand, excuse me, a thousand innings at the shortstop? Uh, it's funny because I'm actually writing about this today in terms of the contrast between the way the Yankees have handled Anthony Volpe 
and the way the Orioles have handled Henderson. Now, part of this is because the Yankees don't have a Jorge Mateo right. playing well and complicating the conversation. But I think you can screw up a player. When he comes to the ballpark, it's like, well, he's playing third base today. He's playing shortstop tomorrow. Wow. He's playing DH on Thursday, and he's not playing on Friday. Uh, I, I worry if he – and I know Henderson hasn't hit all that well you know, so far, but I think the constant moving of positions isn't really doing him any favors. Is your belief that Jorge Mateo's greatest value is as a trade piece at this point? Like this is uh, – Joe, this is a really difficult thing right now because I am of the belief – I think there's people in Baltimore that believe – you can use current major leaguers in order to go acquire pitching. And I'm just not sure who the team is that's saying, we have so much pitching that we want to give you one of our guys in exchange for you know, Cedric Mullins or for Anthony Santander or whoever it is. Jorge Mateo is fascinating to me, though, because he's so electric. And if you're so confident in the guys that are behind you, I think you can make an argument that his best value to you is as a trade piece this, this July. You've got to get other people to buy into what some outside analysts are seeing. I was listening to, you know, Eno Saras of The Athletic, just mm-hmm. a fantastic uh, analyst and writer. No um, he was on his podcast the other day talking about the way Mateo, you know, the number, I mean, he's not, no, he's not a 360 hitter. Nobody's a 360 hitter. But if you look at the underlying changes, he's making better swing decisions, hitting the ball harder. This is a guy who just couldn't get the bats of the ball enough to be a player, for, you know, most of his 20s. He's only got 11 strikeouts and 67 plate appearances now. I mean, he's got a great strikeout rate. There are real skills development here. He's 28, so it's not like he's some 30-year-old fluke happening. And again, it gets back to this issue of, you know, okay, you have to play him to build up his trade value. Mm-hmm. But if you play him, it, adds, it creates this problem with Gunnar Henderson. It, and the other thing about Mateo is, and I'm not sure many people know this, I mean, he – had a fantastic defensive year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is somebody who had kind of become a utility player, and then in 2022 with the Orioles, he was one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. Early season, small sample size this year, he's also uh, shown up well. So it's a tough balance, right? What do you play him to, to because he's your best guy? Do you play him because you want to run up his trade value? And again, like I say, it, it, it interacts with the Henderson decision and it interacts with the, all of these uh, infield prospects they have coming through. I'm kind of vamping a little bit here, Glenn, because I don't have a great answer. Yeah, this is a very hard, a hard thing for the Orioles to be. They never expected to be in this situation. Corey Mateo was not supposed to become this player, so credit the organization for bringing him along and helping his development and turning it into this guy. And I think as long as he's hitting 368, you've got to, you've got to play him. For me, I think the solution is to forget you ever signed Adam Frazier and play Mateo at second base every day. Man, then, 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 er, oh boy. Okay, so I guess Arias goes back to third base at that point, and yeah, okay, I can make that work. I, I, I guess the other part of it that's weird when we talk about Gunnar Henderson is, do you believe that Jackson Holiday is ultimately your shortstop? And if that's the case, should Gunnar Henderson just be your third baseman moving forward and not play anywhere else? Holiday hasn't played enough for me to make that call. Okay, and you know, the, the, I, I just we were talking about a guy who's been professional for about fifteen minutes. Uh, I would not start moving Gunnar Henderson based on Jackson Holiday, is there eventually a reason to move Gunnar Henderson for, he'll be a better, he'll be, if he moves into third base, he will be a plus-plus third baseman. I mean, we've seen, I don't have to tell Orioles fans about a good shortstop who became a great third baseman, right? right? I mean, we just saw that with Machado. There's some some actual parallels to that path there. Like, Henderson is not as good at, Henderson is a major league shortstop defensively, full stop. Mm -hmm. But he's not the best defensive shortstop on the roster right now. No. No. Not at all. And he might not be with. I mean, you, you talk about Holiday. Um, uh, who's the coach? Ortiz. 
I'm, gonna, I'm blanking on his first name. Uh, Joey He's actually Ortiz. probably the best defensive shortstop in the organization. Yeah. Yeah, that's what everybody's been saying for a number of years at this point. But it, uh, is there ever going to be a place for him? Like that's and it's a genuine question no. that I'm asking. I, and I, I think you're right about that. And I, I do think at some point, again, we say it's a good problem to have, but you have to use it to your advantage at some point to have all of these infield prospects. At some point, you have to do something with that because they're not all going to be able to play here. Like it's just barring something unbelievably unforeseen, they can't all possibly play here. So it feels like you're getting to a point where decisions do have to be made, I think, this season to start figuring out how you can use this strength that you have in order to benefit more of the totality of your organization and, again, specifically the fact that you haven't drafted pitching during the Mike Elias regime. That gets back to your first uh, point yep. a little while ago, which is do you use these guys to trade for Corbin Burns or some Corbin Burns equivalent? Yep. And, again, I don't, I don't think the team this year is going to be good. Also, it's a very – if I'm going to trade a high-end prospect, and that's what these guys are. I mean, other than that, I mean, Westberg, Holiday, uh, these guys are high-end prospects. I, do I want to use that in some kind of mid-season cathodic uh, attempt to make the playoffs? Or do I want to wait till the offseason when I can – kind of balance all my options, and we're not under this trade deadline pressure to make a big deal. It's unusual, right, to trade a prospect like this if you're not doing it at the deadline, if you're not doing it to make this big trade. But maybe the time to do that is in the offseason. I always feel like if I'm going to trade my best prospects, I'd rather do it in the offseason. I get that, and there's you, you know, now you have 30 teams that are potentially in, invested instead of you know 12 or whatever it is, the deadline. I, mm-hmm, I, can, mm-hmm. I completely understand the thought process. Um, Joe, I, it was funny. I was talking to Mike Bordick the other day, and he was like, hey, man, I'm in love with what Adley Rutschman is doing, but I'm a little bit worried about them playing him every day. And I can't help but notice that over the course of the last week, he's really scuffled at the plate. Now, again, some of that is he was you know, hitting so well to begin the season that we're going to notice if there's even seven days where he's struggling at the plate. Is there any world in which the Orioles – this is the, the hellish thing about your top guy in the entire organization being a catcher – is there danger to how much they were asking him to do to begin the season and and playing every day and how much that might be taxing him and impacting him? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at uh, I'm just looking at the numbers now. It looks like he's made 16 starts behind the plate. The Orioles have played 23 games. That's 121 game pace. That that's not unusual. That's about the top end of what we ask for catchers right now. Should nobody, should, should he be should he be getting days off though on the days that he's not catching? I guess would be my question. Yes. Uh, I think you've got to, if you're going to start him 120 times on the plate, that's got to mean 25 to 30 starts at DH and then 10, 12 clean days off. Now I haven't looked at the schedule and I'm, I, this is one of those questions where I, I trust Brandon Hyde's got a better finger on the mm-hmm. pulse there than I do from, you know, a couple hundred miles away up here in New York. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to risk burning him out completely. So some of those days off, DH being a half day off, you do eventually have to give him some full days off. I agree with you there, Glenn. And I, again, I, I don't know the mathematical equation, right? I have no clue. But boy, you know, the expectation level for Adley Rutschman is so through the roof that even when there's a week where he's not hitting like the greatest hitter in baseball history, we're going to end up reacting to that. Joe Sheehan, remind everybody about the Joe Sheehan baseball newsletter. Uh, JoeSheehan.com. You can check it out there. People might know my work from Prospectus, Sports Illustrated, Baseball America over the years. This is where I do most of my writing right now. It's been, uh, Newsletter's about to turn, turn 13 years old, so it's been around a while. Wow. It's actually Substack's Big Brother. I think, I think of it that way. No. Check it out, JoeSheehan.com. You can see excerpts there. 
There's an email link. You get subscription information. It's also a full piece I wrote last week about the A's in Las Vegas that I, that went over pretty well. Joe underscore Sheehan on Twitter as well as how you can follow him. Uh, let's do it. Uh, let's not wait uh, years before we chat again, my friend. Always appreciate you. Thank you for hopping on with us this morning. Take care, Glenn. It's Joe Sheehan with us here on GCR, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Again, joesheehan.com. Our number one of today's program is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. It is the first year where you can bet on your phone during baseball season here in the state of Maryland. So take advantage of free bets or incentives or whatever it is. Like, for example, points bet giving you five second-chance bets when you deposit and bet your first $50. But the only way to take advantage of that and to get those five second-chance bets is to go to PressBoxOnline.com offers. Again, that's PressBoxOnline.com offers in order to take advantage of that incentive from PointsBet. NFL Draft gets underway tomorrow. We'll get some final thoughts on the NFL Draft from uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything, I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. 
Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So ironic that we were just talking about this with Joe Sheehan. I just saw the Orioles lineup, and day game after a night game, Adley Rutschman is behind the plate today. And I'm not telling you that's the wrong answer. I just, it's interesting. You know, we had that conversation with Bordick, and he said, look, I'm just a bit worried about how much you're asking of Adley Rutschman. And I don't know. Perhaps it's fair. Perhaps it's fair. (sighs) We're going to switch gears. We are just about... 32 hours away? Did I do my math right there? No, 34 hours. 34 hours away? Thirty, Whatever it is, 33. Somewhere in that range from the start of the NFL draft tomorrow night in Kansas City. Joining us now from the Sporting News to give us his final thoughts ahead of the NFL draft. He is our friend and NFL writer, Vinny Iyer. He's back with us here on GCR. Vinny, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, it's just exciting time. I, mean, I know Ravens fans are probably on pins and needles knowing that they could go in many different directions in that first round. I think there's no doubt. Uh, Vinny, I apologize. We're going to – struggling to hear you. We'll try to get that squared away. Vinny, by the way, in his most recent mock draft, has the Ravens taking Cam Smith, the cornerback from South Carolina, with the number 22 pick in the draft. Uh, which is interesting because I think he's a name that has come up a few times uh, with the idea of the Ravens being able to trade back and still get a good cornerback at that spot. So it'd be interesting why Vinny thinks he's actually worth it at 22. For the record, uh, the guys that go right after him in his mock draft are Zay Flowers from Boston College and Keely Ringo from Georgia at that point. Let's try Vinny Iyer one more time. Vinny, I appreciate it, man. So tell me about, a lot of people have brought up Cam Smith's name, but in connection with the Ravens maybe moving back and getting Cam Smith, why do you think Cam Smith is worth taking at 22 for the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I mean, in the latest mock draft, I'm reexamining that, but I think he's a guy, based on just some of the other guys that have risen, I look namely at Devin Witherspoon and Deontay Banks. And mm-hmm. These guys are starting to become values. And when I see these guys, it's Cam Smith and Keely Ringo, both from the SEC. I think they're very similar corners. A lot of corners with size here that you see six foot next to their name. And then that uh, definitely intrigues you uh, to have that big coverage presence, but can also uh, still be fluid and athletic and make plays. So, yeah, I think that's a good call here for the Ravens to trade back because if they stay there, you really want to think about the wide receiver wheelhouse there. That's what you're going to get with either Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnson. Do you want to go there after getting Odell Beckham Jr. right now? Is that something you want to table for next year or tap into the class a little bit later in the draft? So I think that's what you have to weigh. And also, Ravens need to take advantage of a team potentially moving into the first round to get a handed hooker. Right. I think that's a range for them to do that. So use that to their advantage hopefully a player will drop that another team really likes and then take advantage of that because i think you can get cam smith in the early part of the second round so that would be an ideal target for them if they can do that i think it's a little high right now for them at that spot and as i'm reevaluating things today with the new mock draft coming up at sporting news but i think uh, 
a few spots back, I'd be really comfortable with that pick. I'm interested because you just brought up another name in there that a lot of people have talked about in connection to the Ravens at 22 if they end up using the 22nd pick. In your last mock draft, you had Deontay Banks on the board all the way to the third round. Um, t- t- take me through why maybe you have not evaluated Deontay Banks the same way that a lot of people have that believe he's a first-rounder. Yeah, I mean, that also is changing uh, okay. progress here that I, right. I will get to you, but I think he's potentially off the board there. The other concern is that Joey Porter might go to the team that they don't right, want. the Pittsburgh the Steelers, Steelers yeah. Yeah, so I think that whether you look at Deontay Banks, there's also local connection with the commanders that they should be very interested in him. They're out of Maryland. So I think it's just been very hard for me specifically. Uh, I'll be uh, totally open with that. It's just trying to separate all these like six one, six two corners with very similar skill sets. I mean, they're a little bit size, aggressive, physicality. So there's a lot of uh, flavor of corner in this draft, but there will seem to be a ton of those types of guys and less of those kind of inside playmaking types like a Clark Phillips out of Utah. There seems to be less of those, but there seems to be almost a dime a dozen of these 6'2", 6'1", type corners. So, and it's funny. I think that that's why you've seen such up and down with that position. We started possibly with Smith and Ringo 1-2, but now you have Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter and Deontay Banks. So, Bottom line is, if you need a corner of this draft, it's a great draft to do that. It's so funny, Vinny. I feel like that's why so many of us are just convinced that the Ravens aren't going to take. You bring up the Hendon Hooker factor, and it's real. And particularly with the Vikings sitting one pick behind the Ravens, there's this belief amongst many of us that you can use that pick to, for a team that wants to get ahead of the Vikings and make sure the Vikings don't take Hooker there. But in general, with the with cornerback being accepted as the Ravens' biggest area of need, although I do still think wide receivers should be more neck and neck there than other people do, even with Odell Beckham in the fold, is it is this your way of saying, hey, look, anywhere in like the top 40, there's a pretty good cornerback to be had if that's the first pick you end up making. If you move back 10 spots, you're still going to end up coming away with a pretty solid cornerback there because there's such depth early on in this draft at the cornerback position. Yeah, definitely. And I will also give you this bit of information in my new mock draft that I'm working on right now. We'll be out here at Sporting News a little bit later today, my final, final mock draft. Uh, I do have them looking at a receiver in Quentin Johnson because I think Interesting. when you look at this offense of uh, Todd Munkin, that's important, a field stretcher that can really just get downfield. They seem to have some guys who can do that, but they won't admit that they miss that version of Hollywood Brown, right? The version that could just take the top off of the defense, spread the field, and stretch the field, and also look at uh, just a way to open up the running game a little bit. They really struggled with that last year. So a vertical threat, I think, is important. I think you have to be comfortable with the fact that he may need some time to be any more than a vertical threat. And that's why you see Johnson kind of falling down boards. It seems like it's the comeback of the 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", versatile inside-outside receivers are really now the kind of trend here over those bigger classic guys in the Mike Evans bowl. He is Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. He's with us here on GCR, and we await his uh, final mock draft coming up a little bit later today at the Sporting News, but appreciate him tipping us off that the guy for the Ravens will be Quentin Johnston. Um, I, Vinny, I, I, I guess I'm with you as far as the speed guy is going. This, this is the interesting part. Do you have Zay Flowers still on the board when the Ravens pick in that draft? I have uh, Zay Flowers, I think, uh, going right there in that round. Uh, 
there. I think I have him going to the Chargers. So okay. there you go. So, so it's, it's, um, and, and right in that round uh, is you have uh, also Jordan Addison. The Vikings tend to like him. So, yeah, it could be three receivers straight off the board in that range. So. That's interesting. So, I, I, I've kind of come around. Like, I, if it's a wide receiver, I've sort of fallen in love with Flowers as being the guy to be opposite Bateman. I get it. It's complicated now because Beckham is going to be opposite Bateman. So you're almost looking at, like, a third guy in this mix. Um, why specifically do you like Johnston more than, say, Flowers or Addison if they're all on the board when the Ravens pick? Yeah, I don't know if I like him more, but for that specific role, for that specific team, if that makes sense. I think when you look at what Beckham can do might, might be a better slot guy at this point, right? He could be in his career. Nelson Aguilar can play that position we know as well. And it, he's been better than expected, kind of bouncing around for the Eagles as well. So I think you have that. And then I think Rashad Bateman could also play a big slot for you if you want. So I, I think you look at what they have and who fits a little bit better. And that type of receiver is something they, they don't have, right? That's straight up a big target that can get vertical, if just flat out fly. So I think that's how you look at it. It's the kind of flavors you're looking for. I mean, you look at the Vikings, they're looking for a, a guy like Jordan Addison who can replace Adam Thielen in the slot and really take advantage of single coverage. He's going to get away from Justin Jefferson. You put Flowers. The Chargers just need a guy who can line up everywhere. It's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They just can't stay healthy. So, Zay Flowers, I think, is a Tyler Lockett type. So, I think he's going to fit well anywhere. So, it'll be fun to see how those receivers shake out. It's a lot like last year, right? We had Chris Olave to the Saints, Gary Wilson to the Jets, Drake yeah. London to the Falcons. It was just picking their flavors, and that's what you have to do at wide receiver. All right, is there someone that's not a cornerback or a wide receiver that you say, I think there's a real chance this guy could be sitting there at 22, could somehow that would all play out? And if I were the Ravens, the hell with everything else. If that guy's there, I'm taking that player that's sitting there at 22. Yeah, that's a real good uh, question there to look at. Uh, the offensive linemen are – special so somehow i don't know if this is definitely going to happen but broderick jones if he's mm. there i don't see that happening but there's a potential with the darnell Wright coming up the boards as well and maybe just some intrigue over the offensive tackles in general with dewan jones now being a wild card potentially for the first round so again that's a position where teams are looking for different specific type of offensive players and i think when you look at jones if the ravens can get him i'm stashing him putting away here at that spot I, it's boy, you know, at the moment you don't see it because Morgan Moses is there, but I don't think Morgan Moses is a long-term answer, so it makes sense. And you have a guard position that you need to feel in, fill in the meantime, so maybe you can make this all work somehow and kind of play musical chairs like once upon a time when the Ravens had Jonathan Ogden play guard because they needed to figure out how to make it all work at that point. Um, Vinny, I'll present it to you this way. Is there any world in which if the Ravens have any doubt at all that ultimately they'll get a deal done with Lamar Jackson, is there any world that maybe they should be the team that's thinking about Hendon Hooker at 22? Yeah, I've thought about that as well. It's funny how their agency is very similar at this point. So um, when you look at Hendon Hooker, I, I have him right now potentially going to the Buccaneers and maybe – a move there that might change, be subject to change here, but I, I think the Bucks have been attached to him for a little bit here uh, down the stretch before the draft. So I think that's where you're looking at. Of course, they pick a few spots higher than the Ravens. So I think uh, the hope is that he's still on the board there to have that option and maybe you force some team to think about will they pull the trigger and give uh, the Ravens an offer they can't refuse for Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be interesting to see if anything moves on that front, but right now I still expect Jackson to return to 
to the Raven just because I think you'll get a little bit of clarity when Joe Burrow gets his contract that heck that contract is fair and there's nothing out there that's going to get him fully guaranteed money. Yeah, I hope you're right, but that's what everybody said about Jalen Hurts and I don't know, at some at some point I just don't know how this ends. <laughs> Vinny, that's the issue that we're having around these parts is trying to figure out how the uh, the plane is landed. At Vinny Iyer, it's a V-I-N-N-I-E, Iyer, I-Y-E-R, on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, sportingnews.com with a mock draft coming. And, Vinny, is there anything else I can plug for you, my friends? Yeah, we'll have a, definitely a mock draft up later, and we'll have a, your draft board fully updated tomorrow night. So follow the draft at sportingnews.com. We'll have a lot of content for you. I'll have the live tracker pick-by-pick analysis as they happen. So, Check it out. Uh, check us out. We'll break down everything for you in real time tomorrow night. Awesome. Uh, Vinny Iyer, always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Well, thank you, guys. Have a good one. That's Vinny Iyer with us from the Sporting News. Appreciate him hopping on and spending a couple of minutes chatting with us. And um, Somebody asked me last night, hey, have you finally made your decision about who it is that you want the Ravens to take at 22? I No, because 22 is such a weird place to do that. There's so many things that could happen. Have I made my a specific, what do I want? Maybe a better question is, like, what will you not be upset yeah, with? Yeah, and the, but 22? we always do that on draft, and I, I, yeah. I did that. Like, what, what is it, what, what do you, what would give you, and we'll do this tomorrow on the show, we'll do the, what would give you the, what would you be happiest about, what would you be unhappiest about, should it play out during the course of the draft? B. John Robinson. I don't know what I would be happiest about. I just, it's, I'm struggling with it. I like Deontay Banks, but I do understand the argument of if you're going to draft Deontay Banks, you might as well just try to move back and take Emmanuel Forbes instead and get some picks. But it's also, it, it's antithetical to my belief of get special. I saw this list flying around the other day. Um, a bunch of people were tweeting it. Were the Ravens' top picks over the last 10 years. Let's see if I can pull up this list. And it was interesting because uh, whoever shared it first was sharing it as, like, defense of here are their first-round picks over the last 10 years. Matt Elam, C.J. Mosley, Brashad Perryman, Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Hayden Hurst, Lamar Jackson... Hollywood Brown, Patrick Queen, Rashad Bateman, Adafi Owe, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum. And whoever I saw it from first was presenting it as like a defense of how good the Ravens are at drafting. Like, look at this list. There's only a couple of busts on this list. Everybody else has been at least a, a solid, helpful piece. But present it from the other side of things. How many special players have they found in the NFL draft over the course of the last decade? I mean, special. Lamar, obviously. I'll give you Ronnie Stanley as special. Marlon Marlon Humphrey, at his best, is definitely special. He's had moments where, you know, he hasn't been at his best. And, of course, the Stanley qualification is when healthy he's special. But so there's one that's definitive, although I guess even with Lamar we have to say when healthy, he's special. 
three guys. Now, if you want to add in that he wasn't a first-round pick, but Mark Andrews certainly is someone they drafted and has proved to be special, fine. But this isn't Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, Terrell Suggs, Marshall Yonda, Haloti. Not, like, it's not that. It's the top end is one... There's one guy in that group that flirts with being a Hall of Fame caliber player. If Lamar Jackson can be healthy and stay on the field and be Lamar Jackson, he can be a Hall of Fame caliber player. The others are really good. Not Hall of Fame caliber, but really good players. Then there's sort of a line that you draw to the next group of guys who have been good, and who knows, maybe Kyle Hamilton will at some point elevate his way. There's a lot to like about Kyle Hamilton. Maybe he'll elevate into the top group at some point. But then there's a line to be drawn. C.J. Mosley was a good player for a little while, so much so that you didn't want to pay him. He was probably drafted too early. You had a very high pick. Patrick Queen's been a good player. So much so that you're probably not going to end up keeping him around. I don't know. The problem to me is special. The problem to me is game changer. Who's a game changer? So to say, hey... If you're going to draft Deontay Banks at 22, you'd be better off moving back and just taking Emmanuel Forbes at 37 or whatever it would be. It's easy to say that because we all get caught up in this value concept. The Ravens need special. They need game-changing. They found it via a trade last year. To the point... They use this year's second-round pick on a special player. They got it. Roquan Smith is a game-changer. Direct impact on football games. Winning because of him. Not with him, because of him. Roquan Smith is that guy. And I get it. Not everybody that you take is that guy. But that's my struggle with the concept of, well, you can get just as good a value at 36 with this player as you can at 22 with this player. I don't need to win a value. They don't hang banners for value. There's not a parade for look at the value they got. The path to parades is special, is game changer. Which is why, again, even when you flame about Bijan Robinson, if Bijan Robinson is that guy, if he's Christian McCaffrey, and I know that's a, not a good parallel between the two, but if he's special, let's talk. Give me a special football player. Give me a game changer. Give me someone who's going to make an overwhelming impact. I like Tyler Linderbaum. Good football player. If you want to say in the context of a center, he's going to prove to be as much of a game changer as you can get at the position, maybe. 
Like in a world where you can't really get a game changer at center, you can only get a high level one, and he's a high level one, so that's as good as having a game changer at that position, I guess. And this isn't definable. It's This is the difficulty of me having this conversation, is that you can't go come up with a statistic that proves it. But you know, we all know from watching the games that Roquan Smith fit the definition of game changer. Every single one of us saw it. So, value be damned, what you can get at 36 versus what you can get... Now, if you can get special at 36, by all means. In 2019, everybody who took their wide receivers outside of the first round found special. The Ravens found okay. Good. Everybody else got Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, and the list goes on. The Ravens got good. So in that year, I would have drastically preferred they move back. Let somebody else have Hollywood Brown and you get Debo Samuel. Let's go back and redo that. You, you Let somebody else have Hollywood Brown. You get extra picks and Terry McLaurin. By all means. Let's go back and revisit that. But that's kind of the point to me is that I don't want it to be about the value of the pick. I want it to be about what that player is going to end up being. And to say, hey, they've gotten good value out of their pick, so they found good football players. That's I, that's for, and I don't, I mean this, I'm not, that's for nerds. Count me among, that's for people on the internet that want to talk about how smart they are. And that's fine. I'm not knocking you if that's who you are. There's a market for that now. If you can help me decipher GIFs, I'll hire you. I, I want the players that are going to be the difference in them having a parade. And that, to me, has been the thing that the Ravens have been missing over the last decade of drafting. Who's changing their path to a parade? And I think that's the tough part, because what that list really just proves is just, you know, how much of a crapshoot the the draft is. I mean, To it's, some extent, it's, yes. Everything is a 50-50 pick, really. Uh, you say everything is a 50-50 yeah. pick. It's not. The I mean, top like, 10 won't be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of get what you're saying, but it's one of the things that, the, like, when the strategy for the Ravens was the draft, the draft, the draft, the draft, right. the draft, it was because we really believed that they were better at it than everybody else was. And there was a track record that suggested that was true. And there are some teams that are just bad at it. There the are Ra- some the teams that appear to have been very bad at it over the years. But the Ravens had a track record that made us say, don't trade away your picks, don't do these things, because the Ravens are going to use those picks and do really well with them prioritize compensatory picks because the Ravens are going to turn that into serviceable players. That's well, I mean, at least serviceable players like game changers at times. Like we, we thought that way because the track record was again, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, soup, Haloti, not superstar, Marshall Yonda, superstars, Jamal Lewis, who was a legitimate superstar for a stretch in this league. Todd Heap was a superstar. And again, it's not to say they can't find those guys any longer. Mark Andrews definitely was that guy. Ronnie Stanley, when healthy, is that guy. Marlon Humphrey, better more often, more often than not. Yeah, I I think is a fair way to say it has been that type of guy. Chris McAllister was that guy too once upon a time. But there, this it's not, it's not what it was. And the question becomes. Why hasn't it been that? 
Is it because it's just cyclical? It's just the draft is too volatile. They got lucky more than they were actually good at it. Like they just happened to have the right guys or the right guys were taken around them. It still never explains why they can't draft wide receiver. Right. I mean, like you can't, you can't you come still up hit with on one of those at one point. Yeah, you right? would like They're to think that at any point it. that would that would that would be a thing that would occur. So maybe there is some math. <laughs> maybe I don't know. But why why hasn't it been the same for finding special? That would be the question. What's changed that there has been less special, more good, less special, a lot of good. What's happened that it hasn't been the same consistency of special? Which isn't to say that every... Again, the Ravens in those early years also took Travis Taylor in the first round. Let's not pretend that every single one of their guys turned out to be... Dwayne Starks was serviceable, but was never special. Like, let's not pretend like it was every pick that they made. And, and to be fair, I mean, there's only a handful of special players every year in the draft anyway. yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, when we're saying special, are you categorizing it as... You know, all pro or I'm, even I'm, higher than all pro. I'm and saying all pro that trends above all pro, right? Like, again, that's how we've kind of marked the group of guys that we're saying count for the Ravens mm-hmm. is all pro to above all pro. And I don't, you know, I, let's I mean, go. We could go to every draft. Well, I was going to go back to the 2019 draft, right? Like, let me go to that 2019 draft where they came away with Hollywood Brown, which, again, you can't say is a miss by any stretch of the ma- imagination. It's not a miss, right? But. You know, beyond the point where they took Hollywood Brown, obviously, um, you know, it's it, the problem is it's so, it's, it's so awful because it's the wide receivers that stand out, right? Like it's just overwhelming how the wide receivers stand out, and it's Debo. Elton Jenkins was a guy that went in that draft. AJ Brown went after that point. Miles Sanders has been a very good player that went after that point, right. but of that yeah. of that ilk, right? Like. Um, DK Metcalf, it's the wide. Yeah, it's well, the, I mean, the wide receivers just take, screw up everything just, about that. Looking at that draft, it's so DK. difficult. It's so difficult to go back and revisit. Max Crosby was there in the fourth round. Was a superstar, right? Like, I'm. I I get it. It's difficult. I'm not trying to pretend like it's easy, but it goes back to I don't. Is the point of moving back to get more picks? Because I don't know that I believe that this team still needs more depth. I don't know that depth is what is the difference for this team winning a Super Bowl. Maybe a corner. A, specifically a corner. Yeah. And you say, hey, we think we can get Emmanuel Forbes and maybe another one if we trade back from the 22nd pick, so that's why we're going to do it. Okay, I mean, I hear you. I guess I would say I think most teams that lose both of their starting corners are probably not going to end up winning the Super Bowl at that point. Right. Like, if that's where you are, you're just probably not going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think you can depth your way to making that up, although maybe the Patriots would be the type of team that could say, well, actually, you see what we did at corner over the years? We just found another guy, plugged him in, and it just worked out with that guy too. So maybe there is a, a response to that that's relevant. And the Ravens famously, I mean, they lost Ladarius Webb uh, the year that they won the Super Bowl. But, you know, I, they got a veteran. Corey Graham was the difference maker for them. Like, it wasn't a draft pick. It was veteran depth that they had signed in order to make sure they had somebody that was ready to step up and play in that circumstance. So I don't know that, again, you're, you're dra- cornerback drafting depth away from winning a Super Bowl. But at the top, you need special. And I don't know if Deontay Banks is ultimately that much more special than Emmanuel Forbes is. I can't say that definitively. 
But if there's a chance, I'd rather you just draft Deontay Banks. That's what I would do. If there's a chance that that guy is definitely more special, then just draft him. Don't mess around and say, well, we think this guy might be good too and we can get a couple picks out of it. I'm never going to be in favor of that. Now, if your scouting says, these, we think all of these guys are exactly as good, then I get it. I just wouldn't be doing it in the name of more picks. I'd be doing, prioritizing, getting the best possible player that you can get. It doesn't read well on a take. Sorry. We come back in. We'll uh, talk to Dan Wilcox about what he thinks the Ravens should be doing in the NFL draft. Today's show also brought to you by, oh, a great contest that we have going on right now. Of course, you know we've got the print issue of Pressbox available with Jackson Holiday, that illustration on the cover. It's all about the pipeline that still exists post-Adley Rutschman, post-Gunnar Henderson, post-Grayson Rodriguez. There's still lots of talent throughout the Orioles system, and your chance to go check that all that talent out. So go pick up the print issue of Pressbox for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and then wander over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. In order to help you get around, you must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com contests and sign up right now. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
All right, back in here on GCR as we continue into hour number two of the program. Continue to get me your responses for Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Birdland Sports. We'll go over that this hour. Sam the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson got together earlier in the week. If you missed that show, you can find it. Facebook.com slash Sports. Click on the videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video and see it in any of those locations. Of course, the NFL Draft indeed gets underway tomorrow night. Just trying to get some opinions of everyone about what it is they think that the Ravens should be doing during the course of the draft. Joining us now, our friend, former Ravens tight end, podcaster extraordinaire. He is our buddy Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing great, Glenn. How are you today, sir? I'm all right, man. Everything is good in my world. I am I'm in a weird place, Dan. Like I think everybody's kind of coalesced around the idea that cornerback is the primary need for the Baltimore Ravens at the moment. They don't have anybody that you'd necessarily be comfortable lining up opposite Marlon Humphrey. Are are you echoing the sentiments now that if there's one thing the Ravens have to do in this NFL draft, it's come away with another starting cornerback? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I think um, I think D line. I think we need more help on the D line than we do on the, in the backfield right now. Secondary, you know, we brought everybody back. I think we got a good core group of guys. Now, if we get hurt or get injured anywhere on that secondary, then you definitely need some depth there. You know, so I de- I think they will go. One of these five picks they have will be a DB for sure, a cornerback, another cornerback. But um, I don't think it has to be their first pick. Um, I, I still feel like we need more edge rushers. We need mm-hmm. more interior linemen type guys on defense to kind of really make an explosive impact. You know, losing Calais Campbell was huge for us. You know, I can see us going interior D-line first, um, interior or exterior D-line first, and then then maybe going in the receiver route or the cornerback route. It's interesting you say that, right? Because I think a lot of people would just say, hey, I trust the Ravens, and they've got – you know, uh, Broderick Washington looked pretty good a year ago. Obviously, you know, like they've they've got some depth along the D line. I, I think the edge thing is a fascinating argument because they've used so many assets in recent years on edge rushers, whether it was Adafi Owe or David Ajabo a year ago. But I kind of line up with you where I say, but which of those guys do I have complete faith in to be a true game changer this season? And so, hey, if a Nolan Smith from Georgia is sitting there at twenty two and you you think he's an impact edge rusher, man? I'm I'm all in on that at this point. Like I, there's a part of me that says you can never have too many edge rushers, but the other part of me is I just as much as I liked what I saw in a small sample size from David Ajabo, I have no yeah. idea what he is for a full season in the NFL. Yeah, neither do I, Glenn. I I think um I, that that kid from Georgia is there. You you can't miss on him. You can't. I don't think you can pass him up at all with all that speed, the athleticism that he brings to the team. And he, to me, he played, he's a Raven. You know, you look at him, mm-hmm. how he plays, he plays the way Raven players play. And when you look at, we, we've always had such impact guys on the edge. You know, from going all the way back to Peter Bowyer to Suggs, you know, even drafting Judon. And I think Judon was the guy mm-hmm. they wanted to keep here for a long time. And, you know, he, he kind of reminded me of Terrell Suggs a lot. You know, um, seeing him out there and seeing him in person, body tight, the whole, the whole nine. Um, they're looking for explosive guys. Ravens need some explosive guys to make sure these teams can't sit back there and pick their defensive secondary apart. You know, with us having so many issues last year in the secondary, you know, early in the season, I think a lot of those issues are derivative of not getting enough pressure on the quarterback as well. And um, I, I just feel like they will go interior D-line, or exterior D-line. 
to try to replace some of the stuff they lost and to try to make sure they solidify somebody that could be a household name for the next five, ten years in Baltimore. He is Dan Wilcox. He's with us here on GCR. Dan, one position you have not brought up is wide receiver. Are you are you now comfortable with Odell Beckham in the fold and saying, hey, a healthy Bateman, and you know if they believe Beckham's good to go, I, I'm good there? Because I'm in a weird place where I'm like, hey, I know we've kind of stopped talking about it, but I still think, especially with Beckham only being signed for one year, if I, I don't think it's a bad idea for the Ravens to still even use a first-round pick at the wide receiver position. I absolutely agree. I, I said that earlier too, Glenn. I think you might have missed it, but I, I said. Oh, I think but I'm a jerk, and I'm sorry. I apologize. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm right here with you, but I I think receiver is still a must for the Ravens. I, I think Odell the Odell Bell the Odell Beckham pickup was huge for Baltimore because I felt like we needed a star, not a star, but a superstar at receiver. You know, to to make people you know kind of scratch their heads and be like, boy, the Ravens receiving court is freaking stacked. You know, you've never been able to really say that. You know, even though we was always good at receiver, we've never been stacked at receiver. You know, so picking up Odell, picking up Aguilar, I think was huge picks for us. And um, I think that definitely helps us some. But I still think he needs to bring a dog in at the receiver core, the receiving position, just in case Odell go down, you know, just in case something happened to Aguilar or Bateman get hurts again. I think he got to bring a dog in just in case he has to be phenomenal they need somebody that can catch the ball make two three people miss and go the distance with it and um i think that's what they're missing back there at that receiving core odell was that in his youth in his prime you know but right now you know with two knee surgeries you're not 100 percent sure exactly you know how long he'll hold up this season if he'll hold up through the whole season or if he's that same guy or if he's better you don't know you know that's it's a it's a you're scratching your head wondering about that but he has that name that's going to put you know, butts in the seat, yeah. and he has that name that's going to make other defenses respect the fact that he's on the field, and that's what you need. I, I Look, I I am not down on the Odell Beckham signing in any way. I, I am totally good with the idea of the guy that we saw for the Rams in the playoffs two years ago was still – he was a difference maker in helping lead them to a Super Bowl. If he can – I am certainly not expecting Odell Beckham to be, you know, the first three years of his career, Odell Beckham, as he arrives in Baltimore. But if he can be even, you know, a semblance of that, I think it's an upgrade over what the Ravens have done at the position, and I think it helps this team. I just, big picture, I I think the teams that tend to do the best at wide receiver tend to be the teams that take the most swings at wide receiver, right? And so I, I got to keep swinging if I'm the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not writing off Duvernay or Tylon Wallace or any of those guys are saying they can't be that guy, but... I just I can't put all of my eggs in the basket. And one of those guys is definitely going to be proved to be a high level wide receiver. Either I absolutely agree with you 100. percent I love Duvernay. I love Bateman. I still I, I love um I love all the receivers that they've won and draft you know drafted in, in the last four or five years. You know I don't see any downside in having those guys on the squad. I mean you're only going to keep so many of those guys, so somebody's going to go. The good thing about it is it give them it give them move movement to be able to trade guys and move guys around and stuff. The more guys you pull in, the more guys you get, it gives you leverage with other teams to be able to, if they need good receivers, you know, you still got James Crochet as well. You know, you got some guys that you can maneuver around and, and, you know, make some big moves with the Ravens are, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, they only got five picks, right. You know, so you look at it like, all right, they got five things they're going to do on draft day, but on draft day, anything can happen, man. They could trade guys, move guys around guys that you thought was going to be on the team. Now, no longer on the team. They draft the guy, that 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 fell late 
like he was talking about the kid from Georgia, the Nolan kid. Mm-hmm. Like they can draft him, and then all of a sudden they got to get rid of one of the edge rushers they already have. Now they make a move with that guy to get another pick. So you just never know. You know, the Ravens are really crafty, really, really sharp, really smart. They've been doing this for a long time. They know everybody. They know everybody's moms. They know everybody's dads. They know everybody's cousins and aunties and uncles. They, they know exactly what they're going to do. So draft day is going to be very interesting. And, and things, some things will be played by ear. And it, it's, it's going to be some things that I think that's going to shock, the, the, you know, shock all of us on draft day. So I, I guess with that in mind, let me, let me pose it this way. Would you be okay with them trading Patrick Queen at this point? Because I, I think the hope is that you could get maybe a second-round pick for Patrick Queen. I don't know if that's realistic or if it would be more of like an early third-round pick, which would still be better than you know, a compensatory third should he walk after you know the next season. They haven't committed to picking up his fifth-year option just yet. But, man, Patrick Queen played really well last year, particularly obviously played really well the moment that Roquan Smith arrived. He was phenomenal, but I thought he was really good even before that during the course of the season. Would you be all right with with them trading Patrick Queen to try to get more draft assets, or I don't know? Would you say, hey, perhaps the defense was too good with both those guys on the field? Why would you mess with that right now? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to mess with that chemistry at all. As long as Patrick Queen is not jealous or anything like that, and he's okay with where he is as a Raven right now, and not upset that they gave Roquan the money that they gave him, as long as that doesn't mess up the chemistry of the team. I would want to keep both of those guys and try to figure out a way to keep both of them on the field all season long. It's only going to make your defense that much more potent. But, you know, bringing a guy in like, you know, like um, Roquan Smith, it does give you a little bit of a flexibility to be able to get rid of a high-profile guy in the middle that you now not necessarily don't need, but you can overcompensate for two younger guys that can save you a little bit more money. You know, there's always ways, to, you know, more than one way to skin a cat. And um, I think the Ravens have is well versed at all those ways. So I mean, they're definitely going to figure out some things and for how they'll move forward the defensive side of the ball. Knowing they need more stuff right now on the offensive side of the ball, more guys, more men, more bodies um, that could go out there and play some serious football. All right, Dan. But you you know obviously the the saga of Lamar Jackson, the ongoing, never-ending saga of Lamar Jackson's contract situation continues to this day. If 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 the Ravens have any doubt at all that Lamar Jackson will ultimately end up signing a deal, should they be looking for an insurance policy in this draft? Whether that's, you know, Hendon Hooker early or whether it's maybe in the third round, uh, you know, the Clayton Toon, somebody like that from Houston, should they be thinking about it? Or have they gone so far to this point with Lamar Jackson being the guy that they just have to keep operating with the assumption that Lamar Jackson is the guy and they can't think about the quarterback position other than to just see, keep saying, no, it's going to be Lamar come hell or high water. Um, I don't think you draft the quarterback with Tyler Huntley being your backup. I think you, I think you go ahead and you get through the draft. Don't worry about the quarterback. And I think there's enough good backup quarterbacks on other teams where you can make some moves, you know, to kind of prove yourself in this league. That's already kind of proved himself in this league, or you can make a move later on even after the draft, to try to go get one of those backup guys from another team if you had to, or to pick up somebody that's not quite playing right now and maybe sitting at home on the couch or something. I mean, you can definitely there's, – there's there's more than there, – there's so many opportunities at QB out here. It's hard to find a guy that's going to be able to replace a guy like Lamar. I don't. I think he's irreplaceable. Whoever you bring in, he won't be a Lamar Jackson. No, you know? no so doubt. I just – to me, like you, you, you go and do what you got to do to take care of Lamar. You pay him, you get him situated, you figure out what's going to really make him happy, 
y'all sit down and y'all come to terms. All right, this is what you want. This is what we want. This is how we meet in the middle. And we get him paid up and we bring him back. You know, you got a new OC, and I'm hoping that's the answer that he needs because mm-hmm. I think Lamar with a new OC is going to be extremely dangerous. I don't care who the OC is. Just bringing a new <laughs> offense, come fresh. The teams in, in the league are not ready for. It will be scary, period. I, I God, I hope you're right about that, Dan Wilcox, because a few times in this process we've had to think about life post-Lamar Jackson, and I don't uh, – as you yeah. know from uh, life pre-Joe Flacco, it is uh, – there, there, there have been some moments in oh. the history of this franchise that haven't been so pleasant yeah. at the quarterback position, and I don't much I care think that's for it. Part, I think that's the part that hurt me the most with the whole Lamar Jackson situation. To me, he's by far – the most dynamic quarterback you've ever I mean, had. My God. You know, so for, for, you to, for you to have contract issues with the most dynamic quarterback you've ever had on, on, on the squad since the first time I started, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we are, are getting to the point where something can finally get done. But, man, we've been waiting a long time, and so I always am leery of saying that at this point. Dan, what's going on with you, man? Um, what, you know, what's, what's happening in your world? I, I, I know you guys kind of took a hiatus in the podcast. Is it going to come back? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we just took a break for a little while because we needed to kind of, you know, re-see some things. Really waiting on Lamar things. Lamar to sign. Once Lamar signs, I think we'll be cranking back up and we'll be full live. But I think we're we're going solid for a while because we need to to give this thing some breathing room a little bit to kind of see exactly what's going to happen. Don't want to stir up too much controversy on our end. We kind of want to kind of sit back and see how things unveil a little bit. But definitely looking forward to getting back into the middle of things, man, and I'm um, excited. Awesome. Excited about this coming up. That's Definitely it. excited about this. That's the Believe in Raven Ravens podcast on the Believe Network that he's referring to. And, of course, at Coach Wilcox on Twitter is how you follow, follow him. Dan, love you, brother. Uh, let's talk again real soon. Appreciate you hopping on as always, man. Thanks for doing it. No doubt, Glenn. Thanks for having me on, bro. Take care. Dan Wilcox with us here on GCR ahead of the NFL draft. We continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Why don't we go ahead and get into it? Why don't we uh, go over our responses for Would You Rather Wednesday? It is an NFL draft version of Would You Rather Wednesday. It's brought to you by Birdland Sports. Birdlandsports.com is the website. You can go right now, peruse the many options they have at Birdland Sports. Great gear. Homer hoses available. There is some purple gear. Griffin's wearing his Birdland Sports gunner. Maverick style, Gunnar Henderson t-shirt. That is available. Lots of other fun stuff related to uh, hydration available, including you can get your own Homer hose right there at birdlandsports.com. I believe right now you can package a Homer hose and a 2023 World Series Champs t-shirt for just 20 bucks. You can get that combo right now for just 20 bucks from birdlandsports.com. I don't know why you haven't already. In fact, I might do it myself today. BirdlandSports.com is the website. Somebody is winning a T-shirt or Homer hose of their choice uh, from Birdland Sports just by participating in Would You Rather Wednesday today. All NFL draft-related scenarios. Number one, would you rather the Baltimore Ravens do what's expected of them and they move back out of the 22nd pick and they end up selecting a cornerback whatever's there, early in round two. Acquire a pick or two in the process. Or they shock everyone. They package 
22, as well as their third, fourth, and Patrick Queen in order to move up high enough to get Christian Gonzalez or Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, that's a... That is a blockbuster trade mm-hmm. there. One, three, and four, and queen. Yes. But you got to go over. I'm looking at the value of the picks. I'm looking at. I'm Like, is that. So I'm is assigning that an Roughly early, the top 10. Uh, it'd be the edge of the top 10. I'm more like 11, somewhere in that. You'd have to hope that Gonzalez dropped a couple of. Right. Pe- like, that's the funny thing is pe- that I have people saying, well, that's way too much to pay. I can't promise you that it's even enough to pay in a real world scenario. I'm just allowing it to be enough to pay. I might even be okay Here's- with. Taking Nolan Smith at that point, if you're trading the you know the twelve range, uh, interesting, interesting. I like Nolan Smith a lot. I like Nolan Smith yeah. too. I like Nolan Smith, but I did not put him on the list, and you are Ryan Frasering it up. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, people, I, I think most people are given legitimate answers. I think Ryan's disappointed today, yeah. so he might have needed. <laughs> might Ma- need Ryan might be thirsty. <laughs> I want Nolan Smith. That's a that doesn't have anything to do with the question that I asked you, Griffin. I asked you a question, you have to answer it. I thought when I said trade Patrick Queen, you'd immediately. I just know, say, I know. Yes, it's the third and fourth as well. That's the that's the holdup. Yes, you'd only have one pick in the first four rounds at this point. Uh, man, if 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 man. I think I'd rather, you know, just talking about how, just after just getting t- t- talking about it, how much of a crapshoot the draft is. I'd mm-hmm. rather hold on to our picks and uh, and try to get a few more so that we can, <laughs> so that we can. Given get a, that scenario, get given a that, couple that's more a steep backup linebackers for, for, for Jackson Smith. Yeah, <laughs> for Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris, I mean, man, I mean they're good. I, if the Ravens did that, I you know I'd have to trust it because you know if they feel that strongly about. Oh, I don't think there's a chance in hell that they're doing it, Griffin. I don't think it's it's, there's any chance of it happening. So I wouldn't. I don't know if I could be mad at that, but I'd I'd rather stay put or or trade back rather. You know, trade back from twenty two, and and get some more capital. So overwhelmingly, everyone is with you, Mm. except for me. I and you probably should have gotten that from the monologue I just did a few minutes ago. I give me the better chance at special. If this guy's definitively the best wide receiver in the draft, go get him. Go get that guy. Have that answer for years to come. I think what we need to Go be get doing it. is tanking for Marvin Harrison Jr. Ah, right, because that's something that you can do. I agree. I love Marvin Harrison Jr. As long as he's healthy, obviously, you got to make sure. I don't know you know, what happened post the playoff game yeah, where he got I mean, hurt. Um, I love Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's not a thing. So here can we, we go. Just take, can we just take him, even though just, we won't have him this year? Just I'll send this, this audio year. to Ryan Frazier so he can at least get some joy today. At least he can get a little bit of joy because everybody's letting him down and just – Answering the questions, boring, more like Bora boring. That's what everybody's been today. Um, no, get me, get me special. Look, I love Christian Gonzalez. I do. Um, somebody would still say not at that price, but again, you're measuring that. Pr- what is that price? You the the first the first round. It's the price is the third, the fourth, and Patrick Queen, right? Well, do you believe that ultimately the Ravens going to be moving on from Patrick Queen one way or the other? I think so. If the price, like, if ultimately the best you can get for Patrick Queen is a third-round pick, an early third-round pick, you can say, yes, it's still better than a compensatory third if he ends up leaving in free agency, but it's not great. It's probably not really what he's worth if he, you know, given the way he was playing a season ago because he was outstanding a season ago. And to Dan Wilcox's point, I think there's an argument for if that's what his value is, just just play him. Like you'll make up the difference in the early third round pick and the compensatory third round pick by having him on the field. That will make up the difference in those two picks. Um, do it. 
I don't I, I don't need a fourth. I, I'm not the swing. If the other team threw a second round pick in, then I'd definitely be on but board. That, it's not an option. I'm not giving you that, and okay. that math doesn't okay, well, work in the trade chart. Like you can't. You, now you want you can't get a second round pick for Patrick Queen to begin with. Now you're trying to get a second round pick. Stop. Well, Don't your third and fourth. That, that doesn't work that way. You've got to well, make. The, if it did, you got to make the chart work. The chart does not work in that way. It doesn't come close to working. And I get it. You're going to say, well, then I don't want to do the trade. But then you're not going to be able to make a trade. And then we use that second round pick to get DeAndre Hopkins. Right there, you go. You've solved all of the problems at that point. Yeah. Number two, would you rather? Good question. Very simple. They go all five picks. They're going to take all of them. They're all offensive players, or they're all defensive players. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. You do that. You're like, Psh. and now all of a sudden you got to really think about it. Uh, oh man. It's not quite as fun as some of the other questions, but it is not easy. I think you have to go all defensive, and I mean, because that means you'll be addressing. Because I think they they need more depth at either the front, either the front end, like uh, like Daniel Wilcox was saying, and. And on the line or in the back end, and in this case, I guess you'd be getting depth at both. And I think that's more important. I mean, as as important as wide receiver is, I think that's more important in getting, you know, backups for your defense. You think you have greater need there? Then. Yes. Okay. Uh, Paul from Movielando, not knowing at the moment if a trade for D Hop is going to happen, I'll go with using all five on offensive players, along with wide receiver. Can always use a few more offensive linemen. John and Little Rock, give me all the offensive weapons as possible. Uh, Mark, offense, wide receiver, guards, tackle, maybe tight end late. Ryan Frazier. By the way, maybe Ryan could have just thrown, like, to help himself, he could have given a bad answer just so that there would be a bad answer. Since I'm still on the Lamar wagon, I'll go offense, considering going all defense may sour relations with Lamar. Interesting. Interesting. There are some folks who agree with you, however. Brian Reynolds, defense, and not the Brian Reynolds that got all the money. Just just some guy named Brian Reynolds. Maybe it is. Well, maybe, are you, are we I'm, I, you know, it's a good point. I don't know. I think he spells his name differently, no. so I do think it's definitely not the guy. Defense, Lamar can win with the weapons we have. Yes, I know his weapons in the wide receiver room aren't great, but he is, so I think he can hide some of their deficiencies. Give me the defense and stop the other team. We held teams to under 20 for half the season, and Lamar can put up 21. Uh, your boy uh, PFF. What's that? I like that thinking. Your boy PFF Sean is on your side. Does that change your opinion? Now oh, that you know that he should. now that you know he agrees with you, does that says we have a playable offense this year with Odell? If we don't get a corner, it's going to be a long year. Defense. I I get it. So, I, I mean, completely yeah, get with it. Him. Uh, Chris says, I know the answer should be defense, but ultimately I don't think that you can break through in this AFC just by trying to stop the likes of Patrick Mahomes. I think you have to be able to outscore them. So in a scenario that's all or nothing, it's going to have to be all offense. I think there is, I think there's a good argument to be made about that. I, it's not one that I considered as I, I was probably going to end up saying defense again based on need, but that's a really strong argument, and it kind of spits in the face of the argument that I make all the time about where you are. I, I say that. That's like he stole my own words from me and used them against me, and now I'm like, son of a bitch, he's right. And what I'm really saying is I'm right. <laughs> uh, Chris, yeah. I, I, Yeah. That's the reality of what you're staring at. This murderer's row. So – to the point where, like, in, in producing the best football team or the most complete football team, yeah, the needs probably are greater on the defensive side of the ball right now. But in producing your best chance of beating those teams, again, having to win multiple games against those teams, because everybody can say, well, they almost beat uh, the Bengals in one game. That's one game. That's one. 
you might have to win four of those. Definitely three, probably four. There's only one bye now. It's very hard to be the team that gets the one seed. Four, imagine that scenario where you got to go like Jaguars, Bills, Bengals. All right, sorry. Three in the AFC because then there'd be the Super Bowl. Strike it, remove it from the record. B- Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, something like that. Beat those four teams. There's a strong argument. You're need gonna need. Points. You're gonna need more points. Are going to be the answer yeah. to beating those four teams. To 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 back up my defensive argument, I think. I mean, because obviously, I think everyone wants to go receiver in the first, and so that's why you pick offense because receiver, uh, getting a first round receiver like Zay Flowers, JSN, whoever, it it it, it that immediately helps the offense, obviously. But I feel like defensively, there's a lot more depth. Just I feel like always in the draft, if you take defensive player getting defensive players late and I feel like the offensive players don't pan out as much in the later rounds of the draft it just kind of feels that way I mean like what offensive players late like Antonio Brown well Brock Purdy looked pretty good <laughs> well, they're not taking I mean I hear you I'm not sure that'll ever happen he was pretty late in the draft and he looked all right <laughs> I mean I don't even know if he's gonna ultimately be right. a, but like he looked pretty good <laughs> yes and he was a pretty late pick, so now what do you have to say for yourself? That's your. I mean, uh, uh, okay, I'll give you Brock Purdy. Yeah. And what's what's what else? Well, how how deep are we going in the draft? Um, I don't know, like the you know five, six, five, seventh six rounds. round. Uh, offensive where offensive was, standouts. Where was, was Tyreek? Um, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's a good one. I guess was he fourth or fifth? I feel like he was deeper. I don't remember. What about offensive line? Like, what? How much depth do we really find at offensive line deep in the draft? Deep in the draft, oh, man. Now, the problem is you're asking me to remember think, which round right, specifically right, right. which yeah, round. Yeah. Yeah, Tyreek Hill I, I, was I a fifth. Like Tyreek Hill was a fifth round. Pick. I feel like you I can find. I feel like Hang you can find corners and defensive backs and even D linemen later in the draft better, and that's why Bradley Bozeman was a sixth round pick. It's a good pick. Yeah, it was a pretty good pick. It worked out okay for them. It's almost like you can find these guys. It's later almost on the well. Draft. It's almost like you can probably flip a coin and. <laughs> your boy, your boy PFF Sean was like. Was responded to my monologue by saying, "I too would also prefer that you just draft Hall of Famers." It's like, yeah, that's it's kind of what I'm saying. It's a dumbed down version Simply. of what it is that I'm saying, but you know, there it is kind of what I'm saying. Simply put, You're not yeah. wrong about that. I would it just take kinda, the best guy. Right, that's what I would do. I would take the really good players always. I would always take those guys if possible. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a it, look. It's not going to go either way, so it's sort of irrelevant, but. It's interesting, nonetheless. And number three, would you rather, unexpectedly, Bijan Robinson falls to 22 and is the Ravens pick, or, unexpectedly, Will Levis falls to 22 and is the Ravens pick? This requires you to do an extra layer of thinking. Oh, my gosh. A lot of people don't like this one. I really don't want them to take Bijan Robinson. Ah, in the but first do you round. want them to take Will Levis? Not really. Ah, <laughs> so because that would mean now what are you left not with? Have Lamar now what are you left with here? Oh man, I think based on the parameters of the question, I have to take. See what I did here? Go I ahead, have, say it out loud. I don't want to say it. Out loud. Say it out loud. I'll have to take option one. No. <laughs> Which player was that? That was the 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 player from Texas. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> The one that plays on the Which offense. player are you taking, Griffin? Bijan Robinson. Yeah, the there the we go. <laughs> there we go. I feel like it on uh, in response this is to come down to like people believing that if you're saying Bijan Robinson, it's because you hate Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's the case. I do think there's room in there 
for people that love Lamar Jackson to say, but I'm just worried that it's not going to happen. I'm worried that this gif didn't actually mean anything, which is That's impossible. Um, imagine messing with the sanctity of a SpongeBob gif. Ridiculous. Lamar is very calculated with everything. 100%. He posts. All, every SpongeBob gif has very deep meaning. Everyone knows that. But let's just say there's a possibility that it doesn't actually mean something significantly. Then maybe. <laughs> I think there's room in there for even people that like Lamar Jackson to say, yeah, but do you have to protect yourself? Do you have to insure yourself? At this point, the problem being, then you kind of have to trade Lamar Jackson, or you can hope that you can have a trade asset in Will Levis at that point, but that's not a player that's going to help you this season if you don't trade Lamar Jackson before the start of the season. And that to me is the biggest reason why, even though I like when I listen to people talk about the idea of drafting a quarterback, I think uh, one of the Bucky, maybe one of the big guys, uh, had Anthony Richardson at 22, which, by the way, I didn't include here because I do think there'd be people that would be intrigued by Anthony Richardson at 22. Mm-hmm. I think Will Levis is more like, oh, dude, if Will Levis is at 22, it's because we know the answer. This guy's not good. <laughs> um, I, I can't waste a year. I can't waste a pick. So that scenario is you have to draft Will Levis and immediately find a valuable trade for Lamar Jackson post-draft, I mean a valuable trade in order to avoid there being waste in the process. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Is it what I want? It's definitely not what I want. I just don't know that it's likely and it feels more like if you're drafting a quarterback, and that's I think what Bucky said, like, well now you've got a, you know, someone that you could you know, use as a playmaker. It's almost like you're trying to do Lamar Jackson all over again at that point. But you knew you were moving on from Joe Flacco then, so I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm in a. It's got the answer has to be Bijan Robinson. I think so too. It has yeah. to be Bijan Robinson. Yeah, unfortunately, but it's, but it's tough. It's tough. It's not an easy answer. Um, continue to get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter if you want to participate in Would You Rather Wednesday. Brought to you by Birdland Sports. Again, someone is going to win a T-shirt or Homer hose of their choice from our friends at BirdlandSports.com just by participating, but you can get your own right now, BirdlandSports.com. A lot of great offers available for you for signing up for sports betting at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Like right now, you can get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now in order to claim your incentive. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We will get tubular, and we will hear from John Lamoth, incoming Maryland basketball freshman, St. Francis star playing in the Capitol Classic. That's all in the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right. Uh, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. And we will continue to share them throughout the day, and somebody will win that uh, free shirt or uh, Homer hose from Birdland Sports. All right, why don't we do it this way? Let's do tidbit and tubular, and then we'll wrap the show by chatting with John Lamothe because the Orioles play at one today, and I'd like to get a little bit of work done before one o'clock. So this is a selfish thing. I'm just acknowledging that. Why don't we do it in that order? Tidbit brought to you today by. Ooh, this one's brought to you by, you know what, PressBoxOnline.com slash contests is who brings you this one because, oh, say, have you seen all of our area's minor league baseball parks? Well, you've got an opportunity to do it as PressBox is hooking you up, somebody up, with all of the following things. Four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 plus a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around to all of those parks. you got to be 18 or older in order to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th, but in concert with our pipeline cover and uh, Jackson Holiday illustration of the new print issue of PressBox, you can go check out all of those prospects that are still in the pipeline for the Baltimore Orioles by going out to the minor league parks this summer. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. You must be 18 or older to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Tidbit. 
All right, Devin Booker uh, last night became the first player somehow became the first player in NBA history. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about last night's game. They like, won. I, yeah, they won. they won. My God. I, th- Kawhi has a torn meniscus. Did you see that? that I didn't that's see that. That's yeah, sad. That, that just came out. So. Um, yes. I have I have no feelings at all. Like even in the moment where they tried to make you feel something, like in the third quarter, you're like, okay, maybe the Suns can be something. They won. They'll have, they'll have extra rest. It now is torturous. Going on to the next it is torturous right now to be a Phoenix. Everything. Everything oh, post game. Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You and, poor, you poor, and poor. They things. can't make the puzzle pieces fit. Stinks. It's torturous. They've never won a title. You wanted to believe that this could finally be the year. That this this group cannot win it. They can barely beat Plumley and Zubox and Norman Powell and who the hell was the other guy that was killing them last beat night? Beat four to one. <laughs> barely. God, it's. You need, the, you need the winning cover in every game, don't you? Bones Highland. That was the guy. He's a good player. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's a guy. God, go on. Um, all right. Uh, the the Twins, they beat the Yankees Nick Batum night. is out there kicking your ass. Nick Batum. Um, so the no Twins joy. won their first season series ever against the Yankees uh, since two – well, ever, I said ever – since 2001. Bless so, them. Yes. Although that does – that does make it more complicated because they could be in the wild card mix too. So right, yeah. I don't, I don't well, know how I, I think, feel about that. Aren't they leading the division? Yeah, but the like Guardians the, the Guardians, there. you know, yeah. like that's the that's the pre- you would kind of like it if like nobody from the other two divisions had much of a chance. And that's not the Rangers and the Mariners are both going to be threats in the West, and the the Twins and the Guardians will both be threats, and the White Sox could still figure it out. Uh, so Jaron Duran, Jaron Duran hit yes, a grand slam a grand in the third slam. inning. Thanks and for Cedric the reminder. Mullins, Cedric Mullins hit a grand slam. In the I did see it. What is it? The first time that two starting center fielders yes. both hit grand slams in the same game. Yep. First I time was trying ever. to figure out. First time ever. On uh, I did a lacrosse game on Saturday, and Patrick Stevens didn't have the answer. And if he doesn't have the answer, no, no one, one does. There, the two Minicus brothers. So in Loyola Colgate, there's also a third one that plays for Georgetown. But in the game that I, so I back to back games, um. Which I again I ne- I definitely have never experienced before, but I'm not going to pretend like my, you know, history in calling lacrosse games covers the entire history of the sport because it most certainly does not. But I had never experienced a situation where a player had faced two of his brothers in back-to-back games, which is what I had last year. Is Matthew Minicus faced his brothers Brian and Michael? I believe Michael is the other one in back-to-back games. Hmm. But even more so in the second of those two back-to-back games. Both of the Minicus brothers had hat tricks. Wow. And I want to know the answer to that question. I said, is there ever is there a chance there's been a game before where two brothers for opposing teams had hat tricks in the same game? And I texted Patrick Stevens well, I think, I think the during like my commercial break. And I said, yeah. I'm going to guess it's happened before, but I don't know that. And all I got back from Patrick was, I'm pretty sure it's happened before. <laughs> but I didn't get it. I can't, I can't convey that on a broadcast. Oh, okay. I can't say on ESPN+. Plus. We think that's happened before. <laughs> you got to have more definitive information. Could have just said it. This is probably the first time. I don't think it is though, because there've been so many brothers in lacrosse. Uh, yeah, like I, mean, I, guess, I guess brothers. Now I got Again, a lot of times they play together. Right. That's why I feel like it's rare. Or at least it. But I don't think it's. I'm gonna get. There's been a lot of lacrosse over the years. I'm just gonna yeah, guess, yeah. and like a, it tends to be a family sport. I'm gonna guess that at some point it's occurred before. But again, I don't know that. I would like to know. That would be. Very nice for me to know that, but I didn't get an answer, so 
Here we are still. That's I'm going to assign you that task. Oh, jeez. Yeah, dig into that. <laughs> go through all my lacrosse. Yes, go through. Lacrosse reference. Yep. Uh, Trey Young recorded his 10th career playoff game. Yo, that was oh, ballsy, yeah, that man. Was. That was ballsy. Trey Young. I love Trey Young. He's so much fun to yeah. watch. Um, it was his 10th career playoff game with 20 points, also, 10 F assists. Bo F Boston. So like, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so good. Thanks. Thanks, Trey Young. Um, and he moved himself into before before turning the age of twenty five. He is now has the he's tied for the fourth most games of twenty points okay. and ten assists in the playoffs with okay. ten. Uh, I want to see if you can try to round out the top ten of this this list before turning twenty five. Most 20 games, points, twenty points, ten assists before turning twenty five, and any just once even. Uh, most games. Of most games. Yes, twenty points, yes. ten assists. So Trey Young is tied for fourth with ten. So there's three guys ahead of him. And there's another ten. Six. Yeah, then there's another uh, six guys to round at the top ten. They all have at least six games of twenty points, ten assists in the playoffs or in, in the playoffs. In the playoffs before turning twenty-five. Mm, mm, mm. Before turning twenty-five specifically, mm -hmm. Dame. Damian Lillard is not on this list. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is just outside. Only four before he turned 25. I like that we're right back to just doing nothing but NBA tidbits. Just There's a, a lot of playoff to this. I understand that, but it's just not really the, the topic that we're spending a lot of time on. It's not really germane to what's going on. The idea of the tidbit is supposed to be related to the show, not to the what you could find. All right. <sighs> well, we can do just the... Eh, stop. Shut okay. up. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Surprisingly, yeah, he is not on this list. Only three games before before he turned twenty five of twenty and ten assists. I don't know. Um, how about the problem is they all have to be pretty modern because before yeah, that you didn't have guys playing that many. There's three guys before uh, the turn of the century. Three guys before the turn of the century on this list. Chris Paul, Chris Paul on the other side of the century. Yeah, he is seven games. He is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I wasn't. I definitely didn't think he was yeah. before the. I know he's been around for a while. He's seventh on this list with seven games of twenty points and ten assists. Harden, uh, James Harden, not on the list. Where's James Harden on here? Yeah, surprisingly, not on this list. LeBron. LeBron is on this list. He has nine. He is good for sixth on this list. Nine games of 20 points, 10 assists in the playoffs before his 25th birthday. So specific. I mean, it's just so... <sighs> There's a Phoenix Sun from the 90s. From the 90s? Yeah. I guess early '90s, since it was before before his before he turned 25. Uh, Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson. He is tied for most games on this list with 15, so 20, and 10 before he turned 25. So random. And there's another Johnson that he's tied with. Another Johnson that he's tied with. Yeah. <laughs> Avery Johnson. Not Avery Johnson. I don't think he scored 20 points in his career. I'm not sure <laughs> that he scored 20 points. 
Dennis Johnson? No. Gus a, Johnson. A bigger, a bigger Johnson. That, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson has 15, had 15 of these games before turning 25. It's just, it's just difficult because these guys play college basketball. It's hard to, to fathom them as guys that are able to squeeze enough games in before 25 after playing college right. basketball in order for to make it work. Makes it, makes it more impressive for these. That's why I thought it was more likely to be like Moses Malone. Not him. <sighs> Detroit Piston. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has 10 games. That is who Trey Young is tied with right now. These are all guys One that more. play college basketball significantly. That's so wild. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo rounds out this. He is tied for tied for eighth as it rounds out the top ten. There's three guys tied for eighth. He has I'm six missing games. how many? I got six of them. Three. I'm missing three? Yes. Christ. One is active. One's active. This guy, yeah, he's no longer active. <laughs> okay. Uh, Darren Williams. Darren Williams is an excellent guess, and he is on this list. All right. Third most games for Darren. Darren Williams, 11 of 20 and 10. Just broke this pen marker. Is that how upsetting this tidbit was? I don't know what happened there. I'm not going to be able to write down. Oh, there we go. I got it back. Well, you only got, you got two more. Uh, did I say Tony Parker? He played this year. Wow. Uh, no, no, Tony Parker's not. On this Darren list. Williams played this. No, no, no. Uh, the the other guy that I thought I had, well, didn't play this year. I don't know. I don't know. He played. He, played, he appeared in twenty-seven games for the Knicks this year. He averaged twelve. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Derek Rose has six games of 20, 20 and ten before. I this. actually didn't know he that. By the way, I knew he was. That you knew he played. I knew he played. This he averaged game. twelve minutes in twenty-seven games. I didn't know that, but I knew he played. <laughs> uh, and last guy, a big star in the league. Currently, currently, not in the playoffs this year. It's not Dame. Not Dame. Who's a big star that's not in the playoffs this year? He's still under twenty-five. Luca. Luca Doncic has six. I just don't know him ever passing the ball. That's yeah. the problem that I have with that. Well-rounded, good player. I mean, he's a good player. 20 and 10, that is your list of feels top like 10. He's always shooting. That's, yeah. that's what I think of Luka. All right. All right. Again. Kevin Johnson and Matt Johnson I, at the top. I, maybe like during the finals. Like that's okay. the we're, – we're going really heavy on NBA stuff when it's just not really what we're talking about. All right. <laughs> like the idea is it's supposed to be in concert with the show that we're doing. Right. That's the way that the tidbit is supposed to work. We've gone really heavy towards the NBA. I like the NBA. I watched the game last night. I watched the end. Of, I happened to see the Trey Young shot. But it's just not what matters around here. And I only watched, by the way, I felt really stupid when I flipped over to basketball from the Orioles game. And then all of a sudden, I did not see Cedric Mullins hit the grand slam. All of a sudden, I see people losing their minds on Twitter. I'm like, oh, better jump back over. I stayed through with the Orioles game, and it worked out because as soon as the Orioles game ended, it turned on the Boston game. And yeah, that's there. when it happened to see it. See their hearts get ripped out. Uh, really quickly... Uh, hang on. Let me. I guess this is from the Dan Patrick show this morning. I guess it's somehow supposed to be relevant. Let's see. Hang on. Hang on. I need to get the more volume on that. Including Lamar Jackson. Wait a second. They Let me try that one more time. Hang on. Give me. The you want me to find it? Yesterday, the Niners have monitored everything, including Lamar Jackson. They they've explored that, or at least looked at it. They kicked the tires on that, and of course you should do that. Always, always try to improve. But okay, so oh boy, sorry. So that's not really saying a whole lot, other than like they at least checked in, and that probably backs up the thought that if you really want to know the reason why other teams aren't showing interest in Lamar Jackson, it's because the Ravens are telling them don't bother. Like if if he's saying, hey, the Forty ers tried, like they called up. Remember we were talking about this with the Jets. If I was a Jets fan, I'd want to know. 
well, the teams might all know at this point that anybody that's called and said, you know, is this possible? Can we make this work? It's been made very clear to them, no, you can't. We're keeping Lamar Jackson. Right. He's our guy. Now, again, you still got to get a deal done, but it it probably does help, and I'm projecting a little bit because that's not what Dan Patrick is saying. All he's saying is that they kick the tires the 49ers did on Lamar Jackson, which, you know, I know a few people said, hey, I'd rather get Trey Lance back than nothing than you know next year's first right then something like that Uh, okay i'm just i don't know how to feel about trey like if your concern is about lamar jackson not playing trey lance hasn't played at all like at all since his junior year of college since before the pandemic yes he's played almost zero football since 2019 and he only put up 35 points when he came to towson that year Pathetic. Yeah. Lame. That game was. I did, I did go to that game. Yeah, that was the quickest game I've ever. And it, look, NFL. Uh, we did not. Game. We did not stay for the entirety of the it game. It was so like two and a half hours. I brought was, the kids, so yeah. like we we probably made it. Uh, they found the bounce house and they got on that for a little while, and then <laughs> it was time to kick it. Then it was yeah. time to go. <laughs> we did not stick around for much of that game. All right, so that's not really all that interesting. It's not all that relevant, but. There you go. Dan Patrick says the 49ers kicked the tires on Lamar Jackson. Quickly, Tubular. Tubular brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Tubular, this afternoon, Orioles-Red Sox wrap up their series. Tanner Houck and Tyler Wells, the pitching matchup, 1 o'clock on Masson. Maryland baseball, they scored like 1,000 runs at UMBC last night. I don't remember what the final score was, but it was like 20-something. It was 24, I think, the yeah, 11. Something like, something like that. That's weird. They had a 17-run inning. Really? Is yes. that what happened? Yes. Holy F. F. Yeah. Uh, they're at Georgetown tonight at 630. Nichols G- beat LSU yesterday. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. GUHoyas.com is the website to watch that. Uh, big one tonight at Stevenson. Stevenson and York playing for the Mac Commonwealth regular season title and the number one seed in the Mac Commonwealth tournament at 7 o'clock. I'll be with you on GoMustangSports.tv. Nationals-Mets at 7 on Masson 2. MLB Network, Yankees-Twins at 1. Royals-Diamondbacks at 4. Padres-Cubs at 7.30. Cardinals-Giants at 10.30. ESPN Plus, Tigers-Brewers at 1.30. TNT, Lakers look to close out the Grizzlies. Game 5 tonight in Memphis at 7.30. Then a pivotal Warriors-Kings game 5 tonight at 10. NBA TV, Knicks Cavaliers game five at seven as New York tries to close that one out, and then uh, all you know Miami and Milwaukee game five at nine thirty, and a chance for Miami to pull off the eight one upset tonight on NBA TV. ESPN Panthers Bruins game five at seven, Kraken Avalanche game five at nine thirty. TBS for AEW Dynamite tonight at eight. Some non sports highlights. Uh, just a few, obviously Ted Lasso and hold on, sorry, I clicked ah, out of it. Ah, my fault. My way fault, to be on my top fault. of it. Um, James Corden's going to have Mila Kunis and Aaron Paul on as he uh, is his second to last show ever for James Corden on the Late Late Show. Michael Strahan's going to be on Fallon, a uh, new episode of Dave. Uh, Matilda's is a series coming out on Disney+. Plus. It's basically Hard Knocks, but it's with the Australian women's national team, uh, women, national soccer team, uh, as they are host because New Zealand is hosting the, or Australia is hosting the Women's World Cup this year, right? This summer, yes. So it's kind correct. of like hard knocks. Following them is they're okay. kind of cutting down right. their roster, and right. it looks it looks actually looks pretty good. So it's called Matildas. But the two Plus. the problem is I was looking at the actually the game schedule for the three U.S. games and pool play. The first two are like a normal t- like nine o'clock or something like that. All good. Then the third one I believe is at three a.m. Fun. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> thanks. All nighter. 
and then let me, let me, I'll pull them up. It's, it's like I was so excited because I was looking at them, like, oh right, we get a World Cup this summer. That's great. And I'm like going through. I'm like, all oh, right, let me take a look at this. Uh, first one against what country is VIE? VIE. I mean, I want to say Vienna, but that's it's, it's in New, it's in New Zealand, by the way, is where it is. Yeah, uh, first one against VIE is at nine o'clock. All good. Second one against the Netherlands, also at nine o'clock. All good. And then yes. Oh, is that Vietnam? Oh, Vietnam is in the World Cup. I guess so. Wow, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I, it makes all the sense in the world that it would be Vietnam. I just didn't know Vietnam was in the World Cup. That's incredible. Um, and then uh, Portugal, I believe, is the third one. And that one is definitely, it's on August 1st at 3 a.m. So, not, I, once upon, when the year the World Cup was split between Japan and, was it South Korea, I believe, the two countries shared the World mm-hmm. Cup. Um, the year that happened, uh, I remember my friends, uh, BJ and Chris Appel, because we were young men, and we, I think we were in college at that point, they were like, everybody come over and we'll try to do the bit where we nap, wake up in the middle of the night, watch the match, and then nap again. Like, that was the strategy for us all to hang out and watch the World Cup that summer. And it definitely was one of those bits where, like, it sounded like a really good idea until we all were trying to wake ourselves back up. Like, we, because you're, you're, it, you're 18 or 19 or whatever we were, you're not going to fall asleep at 9 o'clock. That's not going to happen. Pop some melatonin. So, like, we're passing out at, like, 1 a.m., setting alarm for two hours later to try to get up and watch the soccer match and then go back to bed. No, we just, like, we would wake up, and then we'd immediately fall right back asleep as we were attempting to watch the soccer matches. It did not work out for us. We tried our damnedest, but it was just not a thing. Not meant to be. A uh, series premiere of St. X on Hulu as well. A show about uh, this girl goes on a, vi- uh, resort at a, a vacation at a Caribbean resort. She gets murdered, uh, but they call it an accident, and then her sister is, like, trying to figure it out. And based on a book... St. X on Hulu. And then uh, that's th- those are the highlights. Along with Ted Lasso, a new episode of Dave. Non-sports. Tubular. Yeah, okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, thanks today to Dan Wilcox. Thanks to Vinny Iyer. Thanks also to Joe Sheehan and to John Lamoth, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. I know former Maryland assistant Grant Billmeyer is going to join us tomorrow. Talk about his new gig at NJIT. Uh, we'll talk to Bo, Sm- Bo Smolka. Okay. As, uh, preview the draft. the draft. Yeah. Starting things. All right. No, it's been a rough week. I'll try to... Try to... Clean it up nicely at the end, I guess. I don't know how we'll try to clean it, but we'll we'll do our best. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels, heating, plumbing, home, uh, home performance, and A.C. will improve your home's energy efficiency. Oh, God, what is going on here? I feel like I just had a stroke in the middle. Why don't I try that one more time? Here's what happened. I didn't have the page open, and I was trying to do it by memory. And I was doing it, so then I didn't want to look back at the page to have it screw me up. And I did, and it did exactly that. I got lost in the middle of what I was saying. They deserve better. Reset. Expert and award-winning, A.J. Michaels, heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at ajmichaels.com. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners like A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday. Go Birds. Go Stevenson Lacrosse. Duke sucks. Jonathan Lamont. Oh, right. 
Yes, I did know that. Lamoth. Lamoth. We wrap up today's show. I do this a little bit later on. John Lamoth from St. Francis getting ready for the Capital Classic here on GCR. Coming up this Saturday down in D.C., the 50th Capital Classic. It has been an iconic event for the top basketball talent in the history of this region to square off and showcase themselves. And our next guest is not a D.C. kid. He's, of course, a Baltimore kid. And he's getting ready to play at the University of Maryland. But before that, he's going to play in the Capitol Classic on Saturday. He is John Lamoth, and he is with us again here on GCR. Jonathan, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you for having me on. It's good to catch back up with you, dude. Uh, I know the last time we talked was when you made the decision since then. It seems like you've been trending even further in a really exciting direction for Maryland basketball fans. How good do you feel about the season you've had and the direction that you're headed in as you get ready for your college career? I feel good about the season. And the uh, senior year I had, we won a championship. And yep. That was my main goal. So um, I felt like uh, I achieved what I wanted to, and I feel good going into the um, – to my freshman year at Maryland. Yeah, man, I, I, obviously winning the championship is such a big deal. You guys played some great games on the way to doing it. John, what were the – besides the championship, like I know that was the ultimate goal for you, but personally, what were your goals during this final season as far as improving as a player or consistency? What were the goals that you were the most proud of outside of, of course, winning the title? I would definitely say my consistency. Um from last year, you know, I had some a lot of off games. Uh, well, not a lot of off games, but I had some good games, some bad games. But this year, I felt like I led pretty good. This year, I've had I had a lot of good games. I led um, in assists, rebounds, um, and then I was like top three in, in scoring. So I just felt like I did everything to help win and um, just doing it day in and day out. Uh, hey, man, and that's the type of stuff that I know everybody's excited about having you uh, show up with you. I, I, I want to I want to go back to a game that you played a couple months ago. You were kind of doing your own Jimmy Butler impression not that long ago. Tell me about dropping fifty seven points in a single game. How did that come about? Is it the most you've ever scored in a game at any level wherever you played? And dude, when you're in a zone like that, what does it feel like? Can you explain what it's like to be somebody scoring fifty seven points in a basketball game? Um, just scoring, scoring 57 points, it just felt like, like the rim was huge. Like <laughs> just everything I shot was just going to go in. So, uh, my teammates just kept finding me and that second, that second half I had like 40 points. Uh, I had a lot of threes in the first half I made about four threes. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it this game. And they just kept finding me. Um, it was our, our last home game. So just being able to go out with a bang was just the biggest part for me. And I just kept making threes and it just, so good. 16 made threes in that game. That's some Steph Curry type of stuff. I don't even know that Steph Curry's done that, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. It's insane. 16 threes in a game. Do you almost find yourself at, did it almost like ruin it? Like the next time you had a big game, you're like, yeah, that was cool, but it wasn't 57 points. Yeah, yeah, I definitely felt that. The only time <laughs> I didn't was that championship game having 30, right. but yeah. you know, it still didn't feel like that 57, but it felt almost uh, on the same level. As uh, I mean, it's scary to think about. Like, as your game continues to grow, John, like, what could be I, – I, you know, I think a lot of people were paying more attention to you as the season went on, 
were, were there still schools that were like coming after you this year? Like, hey, I know you said Maryland, but like, hey, uh, we 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 didn't know. We didn't know just quite how good you were. We screwed up <laughs> there. Did you did you hear from some of those teams during the course of the year? Um, no, nah, not too much. I felt like uh, I made it clear that Maryland was my school, and that's the school I'm focused on going forward. Now I want make my impact there so i really wasn't interested that's, in that's awesome that's awesome john lamoth from st francis is with us again the capital classic is this saturday down in dc uh, not only will john be playing it as well as Braden pierce is going to be a part of it jamie kaiser future terp some other baltimore kids like amani hansbury are going to be part of it I, I wanted to find out john i remember talking to both you and jamie and you guys had a bit of a relationship um has that grown at all with any of the other guys in this class? Have you developed, like, you know, whether it's Jamie or have you gotten to know Deshaun or Braden? And then, like, how exciting is it for you to be around those guys this week, or some of those guys anyway, playing in the Capital Classic, knowing you're going to be teammates for the next few years? Um, most, most of the guys in the game I know, um, me and Braden, we, we um, sat together at the Nebraska game, uh, so we just chopped it up. as our first time meeting. And um, so that's a relationship that's building, and I'm glad to be able to play with them before I get to campus and uh, just excited to play. Me and Jamie played together for two seasons, so that's like nothing yep. new. It's just uh, kind of meeting back up, basically. And, um, you know, Carlton Carrington from my school is going to play in there as well. So um, just Amani Hansberry, we played all AU together in high school. So um, I think it's going to be a good game, and we're going to win. John, I, I'm fascinated by when you signed up to come to Maryland, you had no idea what type of season they were going to have uh, with Kevin Willard this year. How much more excited are you now, like having seen what they were able to do and knowing how many of those guys are going to be back? Jameer's back. Of course, Dante's back. You obviously, you know, I know how much it means to you to be playing with Juju. Um, how much more excited are you even now then maybe you were even when you made the commitment about what it's possible you guys could do almost immediately when you arrive in College Park. Um, it's really exciting. Um, I committed there because I knew the way Coach Willard plays and just the way um, that that he built a culture that it was going to be good. So it wasn't a surprise to me how that season went. So I'm just really excited to come in and help get even further in the tournament and win Big Ten titles and all that. So uh, I'm just very excited. Have you stayed in regular communication with Juju over the course of the last year? Yeah, yeah, we've been talking. We've been talking since we left high school, so uh, it wasn't really a, much of a fallout. We've been talking. Yeah. Uh, I went to some of his games his freshman year, too, so. I mean, I can't. What a cool story that is, right? Like, I keep kind of thinking, like, it's a really neat Baltimore story. You guys, the opportunity to do something really special together next year. Do you, do, have Have you thought about what it would mean? Like, imagine you guys leading Maryland to a Big Ten title together. Like, have you allowed yourself to think about how truly special that opportunity is? Yeah, I think that would definitely be good for Baltimore. Um, you see how big everyone was behind Angel, so right. uh, just bringing that to Maryland and uh, and also St. Francis. Uh, okay. It'd be a good look on St. Francis, and I just can't can't wait to do something special. I'm gonna have to give you this question because Juju told me once that she learned all of her trash talking from him. It, it, who is the better trash talker between Juju and Angel? Right, Angel, because Angel do it to everybody. Right. Even, even off the court. <laughs> she doesn't care, man. She, yeah, she doesn't care. It's an art for her. <laughs> yeah. 
it's so how wait John how are you as a trash talker are you are like when you're dropping 57 points on John Carroll are you talking about it or are you more the type that's just like nah they know they know what's going on I don't need to say anything um it depends on how the game going you know I don't start it but I finish it sure (laughs) so I match energy and uh they talking I'm gonna talk back to them no doubt man I like everything about that I love that John, how how has is is there some new aspect to your game, like that that that's added over the course of the last year? Is there anything that maybe you know you you've said definitively as far as your repertoire is concerned? You think you're even better now as you get ready to make this jump than you were going into your senior season? Um, definitely my rebounding and um, you know what I think gets overlooked is my playmaking. Um, I feel like I do that just as well as I score and stuff like that. But um, you know this year. Um, at the end, I think I averaged like uh, 19, 8, and 9 or something like that. So just rebounding and playmaking as, as well as my scoring to go up with my defense too. So just uh, being an all-around all, all player and just doing whatever it takes to win. What's, uh, what, what are you measuring in at at this point, John? Did you keep growing at all during the course of the year? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think I'm like six four. Okay. One eighty five. Okay. There, so. Okay, but that's obviously you're quite comfortable playing at that point. Like clearly. Yeah. Yeah, you have no problem playing in that body. Like there is no doubt about that whatsoever. John Lamoth, he is going to be part of the Capital Classic, of course, this Saturday down in D.C. at the Entertainment Sports and Arena, the um, the home of the G League and of the Mystics. And you can check that out on Saturday. Just another minute or two here. Um, John, it's funny you mentioned Angel, right? Because I wonder what that did for Baltimore basketball on the whole. Can you can you speak to how much her run meant to everyone in this city and the entire basketball community, seeing her not just win the title, but getting the spotlight the way that she did and some of the biggest audiences and the history of the tournament and what that did for Baltimore basketball on the whole? Uh, I think it did a lot for Baltimore basketball, showing that um, you can be yourself and go anywhere in the country and show that you're one of the best ball players around. So um, I think she did a lot for Baltimore because um, she didn't change for nobody. She did, she's herself and uh, just like she's just like a lot of kids here, just a dog and going to do whatever it takes to win. So I think she did a lot and put a spotlight on us that, we can go anywhere in the country and show out. So, so here's the next important question: uh, Are you close with Derek Queen? Have you been in touch with him at all? Yeah, I talk to Derek Queen a lot. I talk to him probably like every week, um, sometimes every day. Um, so he just he's going with the process, and uh, he definitely likes Maryland. Um, we did get a lot of coaching change, but I, I still think they're sure. on the same way. Um, I haven't talked to him since the coaching changes because Coach Tony Skin recruited him a lot. But yep. um, I feel like with Coach Willis' system, nothing's going to change, and um, he's going to see us win again this year. And uh, I think, I hope, hopefully, he can join us. Dude, what a what an unbelievable! Imagine if Juju sticks around for another year, right? Like, imagine the Baltimore story that could be told. Man, oh, that would be so yeah. freaking cool if that would be the for case. Sure. Um, all right, uh, John Lamoth, where can people be following you, social media wise? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at John Lamoth Five. Um, Twitter, John Lamote one and on TikTok, John Lamote 5. Well, now I feel like a jerk. I did, I, dude, I am so <laughs> sorry. I had no, I, mm, 
John Lamothe, of course. I totally knew that. And I, I, oh man, I am so sorry, John. I apologize wholeheartedly, man. I am so sorry. John Lamothe, I'm never going to get it wrong again. That's my promise. I will make sure okay. that I have it right every time moving forward. And get your tickets for the Capitol Classic. Go to thecapitalclassic.com. The 50th Capitol Classic is this Saturday down in D.C. to check out John, as well as, as mentioned, all those other players earlier, like Braden Pierce and Jamie Kaiser. It's going to be a great day. John, congratulations on a championship season. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Can't wait to see you in College Park this fall. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me.